Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 8th, 2023, including a new report details what really went on behind the scenes with Redfall, it's time for our predictions for the imminent Xbox game showcase, and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2004, 19 years ago, Interplay Entertainment Corporation, the company was shut down, or sorry, the the basically Brian Fargo's original team, the the, the, the birthplace of Fallout, uh, company was shut down by order of California Labor Department. Several employees filed complaints after not receiving paychecks for over a month. This was a whole thing uh, back in the early mid, yeah, early aughts, where Interplay had canceled some distribution deal with Vivendi Universal due to a lawsuit from Vivendi, which was Universal's now defunct game publishing arm uh, for working on some kind of deal that was some kind of game that was that was later uh, canceled. And then the company was also involved with some debt and later a bunch of employees quit the studio whole thing. And hey, it's not a game that released this this day in Xbox history, but nonetheless, a pivotal moment in Xbox history, in a well, not a pivotal moment in Xbox history, a pivotal moment in gaming history that would later have, you know, bigger implication for Xbox because Interplay, of course, the team went on to storm, the, the a lot of the talent from Interplay went on to form In Exile, which is now an Xbox-owned team. Brian Fargo and the talent from that that team, you know, took their uh, took their wasteland games and all that shit and, and started In Exile. So it's kind of weird. We always talk about how. You know, this team that maybe a lot of Xbox gamers, certainly myself, weren't very familiar with uh, growing up became so, you know, integral to the Xbox experience because Xbox bought Bethesda, Xbox bought In Exile, Xbox always had like a thing with Bethesda and Fallout, you know, back in the day and Bethesda games like uh, like Elder Scrolls were always kind of marketed and seen as like Xbox games first when it came to console. Um, and now Xbox is like the arbiter and owner of in Exile, which is the team that replaced Interplay, which is the team that created Fallout, and Bethesda and Bethesda Game Studios, which is the team that bought Fallout and then shepherded Fallout and made it what it is today. And then, of course, and then of course Obsidian, who are another team really made up of a lot of old In Exile slash uh, Interplay guys who worked on Fallout and then made Fallout New Vegas. And so the whole trifecta, all the different parts of the puzzle, became part of the Xbox history. So this this moment in time, this part of Interplay's history is now, in a way, part of Xbox's history. So, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Normally we talk about a game, but uh, this week Moby Games didn't have any any interesting Xbox-specific games released uh, this day in history. So we're, we're, we're pulling from some other aspects of the industry. 
Guys, welcome to episode 210 of the Xbox On Podcast. Hey, it's a big one. It's the it's the big old episode 210 Xbox Games Showcase Prediction Show. So this week is going to be a little bit different from normal in that really, I mean, it's always like this. The calm before the storm. There's not too, too much news happening. There's a big story on Redfall. But other than that, it's really just a bunch of like little stories here and there. And so we'll cover all that. But the big thing this week is going to be our predictions for the Xbox Showcase. I'm really looking forward to doing this. Uh, I've been preparing for it for, you know, about a couple of weeks, asked you guys to write in multiple times. Now we got a bunch of audience write-ins, your predictions, your thoughts on what the show is going to be like, my predictions and thoughts on what the show is going to be like. We're going to put that all together. And for our main segment this week, we're going to go into all of those. So timestamp, for those of you who just want to get straight to that, there's going to be a timestamp in the description below. So you can just go straight to the predictions. But uh, we are going to do the show as normal with all the regular segments. It's just for the main news segment. That is where we will do the predictions other than that, I'm excited, guys. I'm excited because it's kind of a it's a fun one, you know. It's not as much just like, hey, here's the story. Let's read it. Let's in, you know, let's interpret it. It's it's just a fun one. It's like, guys, hey, let's. Uh, what do you think's gonna happen? Do you think Phil Spencer's gonna take off his shirt and and and, and crowd surf at this digital only, uh, not in front of a live audience event? And I don't mean to spoil all my all my predictions, but you know, anything could happen, right? So we'll get into that. Very much looking forward to that. But let's start off the show with our usual opening segments, starting with the notable games releasing this week. So last week, we talked about Diablo 4 coming out if you bought the Wealthy People edition. But Diablo 4 is officially out in its full capacity for us normies because the standard regular edition of the game is officially out on, what is it, the 9th? No, the 6th. So it's already out. As the time I'm recording this, it's already out. You're already playing it. $70, Blizzard Entertainment, Activision-owned studio, soon-to-be Xbox-owned studio, technically, possibly, maybe... But yeah, I mean, it, it. hey, the verdict is in. Diablo 4 is apparently just a phenomenal game. People are absolutely loving it. It seems like pretty wild, widely the reception is it's the best Diablo game yet. And so that's good news for the team. That's good news for the players. I'm happy all around. It seems like people are really loving this game. I will definitely get to Diablo 4 either A, when it's available for like 30 bucks one day, or B, when Xbox buys Activision Blizzard and it goes into Game Pass. Um, not because I don't think the game is worth $70, but because if it's anything like Diablo 3, it's a game I'm going to be like, hmm, I should play this game, and then I'm going to put like eight hours into it and then and not even be that invested in it and then probably just drop it and not really care. So I'd rather just uh, I'd rather just have a lower barrier to entry just because I don't know that I'll, I'll stick with it. However, I recognize this is easily one of the the top games of the year for a lot of people, and it's a very exciting moment. So congrats, and also congrats to all the uh, ex-Xbox talent that you know had a hand in this, that left Xbox in recent years to go work at Blizzard and go be a part of this game. Uh, people like Mark, Mikey Barra or Rod Ferguson. So you know whether it was more directly leading the game or the project or just leading Blizzard, a lot of old Xbox folk are on this project as well. So, And it will all come for full circle. We talked about in Exile and Obsidian and Bethesda and Fallout and all that coming full circle with Xbox. Well, now Diablo might be one of those things too because all these old Xbox guys left to go work at Blizzard and helped make Diablo 4. And now Xbox is about to buy Activision Blizzard. And then Diablo is going to become part of the Xbox brand and family. And then it's, again, just another one of these. You know, when you're just one of the wealthiest corporations in the world, um, you can use money to buy to buy some reason and connection and, and, and rationality into every every aspect of gaming culture. And I just lo- I just love that. I can't wait for us all to be defending Pokemon as a classic Xbox franchise when when Xbox coughs up the money to buy the Pokemon company and uh, the majority stake that Nintendo owns in that in that company as well. But until then, Diablo 4 is out. 
seems like a great game. People are loving it. Actually, it's really funny. I was listening to it was actually not funny at all, but it's really interesting. I was listening to David Jaffe, the creator of God of War, the PlayStation game. Uh, he, he not not the new God of Wars, but the original God of War. Like he created the the, the franchise, the IP of God of War. He does a he he's, he does like YouTube videos and personality stuff nowadays. He doesn't really make games anymore, but he, really interesting voice in the community. If you don't listen to him or follow him, I recommend you checking out his YouTube channel. He's very very interesting. But David Jaffe, the creator of God of War, has been um, he was talking about Diablo Four and. He was saying, you know, I feel like with this game, <laughs> the production of the game, like the the whole the whole process has been so good. It seems like Rod Ferguson, who was kind of like the head producer of the game, he's kind of like the overseer, the 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 head producer of the Diablo franchise. And of course, Rod Ferguson, prior to this, was known as like the kind of overseer of the Gears of War franchise after Microsoft bought. Gears of War from Epic and the coalition formed and the, they kind of took on the Gears of War franchise and shepherded it. Well, Rod Ferguson was the kind of guy who led that project through Gears of War 4 and Gears 5. And, you know, probably a large part of why we, you know, I at least always say uh, Gears is such a strong franchise, even after, you know, the acquisition and everything. And Gears 5 is such a great game because this guy's done a great job kind of leading the team. And it seems like he's taken that that skill and that ability to produce and lead and, 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 you know, have that timeline, that project kind of meet its goals and, and fully realize its vision. And he's, he's been able to apply it to the team at Blizzard who have made Diablo four, the supposed great game that people are claiming it is. And I'm sure it is. Um, and anyway, David Jaffe creator, of God of war was just going on and on about this saying how basically he's like, yeah, I mean, Xbox should just get this guy to be like, they're kind of one of their head, studio managers or kind of liaisons to help lead and navigate these teams who are going through all this production issues right now. Um, just with Xbox not being able to get games out in a reasonable time and with all these Xbox games having mixed quality as they come out. And you need a guy like this kind of overseeing the whole thing. Um, and he was like, get this guy. In fact, you had this guy. In fact, once they buy Activision Blizzard, they'll probably have this guy again. So promote him. And I was just kind of laughing about that because it's like, it, it, hey, it is true because you think about the coalition. Gears 4, pretty reasonable time frame for it to be developed. Gears 5, same thing. Both games, fucking phenomenal. In my personal opinion, they're the best entries in the Gears of War franchise. Really, really solid games. Really excellent entries in Xbox's first party lineup. And then what has happened to the coalition since Rod Ferguson has left? And he left shortly after Gears 5 came out. Well, they played around with some new IP, they canceled some projects, they did basically nothing for a bunch of years, and now they're going back to Gears of War to just now start Gears 6 development. And it's like, man, it just seems like the team kind of lost direction and fell apart a little bit without Rod Ferguson at the, at the helm. And it, it's just funny because he went over to Blizzard and helped you know Diablo 4 become this excellent, fully content-complete, realized product that people are claiming it, it is. And again, I get, I, I'm sure it is. So I don't know. I just think that's pretty funny and interesting. I never connected those dots and was like, yeah, he kind of was like the through line, right? And yeah, there's no there's no doubt Xbox needs some more hands-on, really experienced, S-tier kind of producers and liaisons communicating with these studios, leading these projects, figuring out what's going right, what's going wrong, what these teams need, because clearly it just seems like every Xbox team, or at least most of these first-party teams, are just somewhat on fire. Xbox is too hands-off, or 
or well, actually, it's, yeah, mostly they're too hands off and and they're just not able to identify what it is these teams need in these individual bases of like this is what this team is struggling with, this is what this game needs in order to go from being a great idea to a great game. And I don't know, it's like you got to get a guy like this back in the fold. And if they get this Activision deal, like it looks like they're going to, this might be the kind of guy you want to take and be like, hey, now that you're back in the fold, we're promoting you. You're getting a bigger role. We need you to spread your magic to all the teams, not just you know hoard it for Blizzard or for the Coalition or what have you. So I don't know. That was a really interesting point by David Jaffe. I just kind of wanted to share that. But yeah, Diablo 4 is out now. I'm sure many people are, are playing it, loving it. I also heard that the microtransactions have been unleashed, which I don't mind that the game has microtransactions. What I hate is that Activision does that that bullshit they did with Crash Team Racing that that they've been known to do these days where it's like, release the game, get the great reviews, get a lot of fanfare, and then once that stuff's done, then unleash the microtransactions, the storefront, all that shit with the things that people would criticize to kind of like pad your review scores and, you know, have your cake and eat it too. Get the good word out there and then still be able to monetize nickel and dime and all that good stuff. So the other big game coming out this week is Amnesia the Bunker. It's a Game Pass day one title. It is out now. It's a $25 game if you don't want to get it through Game Pass. Developed by Frictional Games. Uh, yep, it's a World War II, or sorry, World War One bunker setting. In the Amnesia series, I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't care for the Amnesia series. I have no enthusiasm for it whatsoever. I've tried, I've tried these games. They don't do it for me. And um, simply talking about this one doesn't doesn't make it any better. So I'm just gonna say it's out there. Go try it if you want it. And with that, we're gonna move on to our Activision updates of the week. You guys, the faster we get through these things, the faster we can get to our predictions. Just kidding. We got we got some good stuff to talk about. Let's not run through it too fast. So. I think, what, two updates on the Xbox store, on the Activision deal? Yes, two. So the first one here is that Microsoft could be, and these are from VGC, of course. It's the only website I know how to go to. My keyboard's broken. Only the V, the G, and the C keys are still functional. So it's the only website I can get to. But uh, Microsoft has considered pulling Activision from the UK market as one extreme option to bypass the country's blocks blocking of its proposed $69 billion deal, according to a Bloomberg report, that is, which states that Microsoft's President Brad Smith will meet with UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt uh, next week to voice his frustration over the CMA's decision to block the deal a couple weeks back. Microsoft confirmed to the publication that my, that um, Smith will be in London, where he, London, where he's giving a scheduled talk about the potential of AI and the need for thoughtful regulation of it. He also... Uh, he also held a private discussion on other issues, including the proposed Activision Blizzard deal and how he remains committed to finding creative and constructive ways to address the remaining regulatory concerns, said a spokesperson. Hunt previously criticized the CMA's veto, telling Business Conference recently that uh, that they must not understand the the wide uh, sorry that they must understand the wider responsibilities. However, Bloomberg claims that the government ministers are also unhappy with some of Smith's public criticisms of the CMA, including stating that he believed the EU was a better place to do business than the UK. I mean, you can't be pissed that someone said that you're not a good place to do business when you blocked their business deal. I mean, it's just, listen, I get it. You eat beans on toast, but so, so, so we got to understand that some things you do just don't make sense, but like you gotta, this makes sense. You just got to understand it. You got, you got to believe as British people, please, for the love of God, you don't have to use dental floss. You don't, you don't have to eat a regular balanced breakfast, but at the very least, you got to understand that a business might not think you're a great place to do business when you block their business deal. It's just, it's just how it's going to be. So they might, yeah, they might be a little upset. Uh, so I, I just don't know what to tell you there. Uh, anyway, 
So we know Microsoft has an appeal date set for sometime in July. So we'll get a second round of what's going on there. But I don't know. I like this idea of <laughs> Microsoft. Obviously, I think this is more just like a scare tactic than anything. It's just like a we'll say the thing that will get a lot of headlines and get people talking because it doesn't look good for the UK. And that's kind of their, their tact here is like, hey, we did the things you asked us to do. You, you said... You said we got to be more competitive. You said you don't want us to have a, a monopoly over the cloud streaming shit. We addressed all of that, and then you still blocked our deal. And so now I feel like Microsoft's tact has been to kind of say some shit, get in some headlines, make the UK look bad, make the CMA look bad, which isn't very hard. All you got to do is point to uh, colonialism, and then immediately everyone's like, oh, yeah, they do suck. Uh <laughs> But I, th I feel like that's like that's kind of like the approach here is to kind of bully them in the public eye to make them to make them kind of have to buckle the knee a little bit, bend the knee a little bit. Uh, I, I, I just I don't really see what else they could be doing because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for them to be like, yeah, we just won't do Activision in the UK market. UK market is a huge market for Activision games. The UK market actually really, really likes games like Call of Duty and stuff like that. So it just wouldn't make sense not to sell it there. And then they, you know, they talk about how it's like, well, what we would be able to do um, to get our games in the UK still is if Microsoft owns Activision, Activision can release Activision games under like some sub publisher or something like that in that market. Kind of like how, I don't know if this is still the case, but I know back in the day, I think Activision used to have um, Call of Duty published by Square Enix in Japan only. So if you bought like Call of Duty Black Ops, it may have had the Square Enix logo on it instead of the Activision logo because they just had like a regional publisher or someone to bring it to market. And so they they talked about how maybe they could do that with, with Activision games. And that way it's like, well, it's not Microsoft putting their games in the UK market where that deal was blocked and not recognized. It's, it's, it's Activision having a different company take their games and bring them to that market. And so it would be like kind of a workaround so they could still sell games there, although they probably wouldn't be able to use like they probably still have to have some specialized version of Game Pass where you can't have like Call of Duty and Diablo and such on it. So I don't know exactly how that would look. I really don't think logistically or realistically that's something that's going to happen. But it is a it is a talking point you can use as kind of a weapon to get yourself out there in the news and to make the CMA look bad and to kind of put a little pressure on their necks and be like, do the thing we want you to do. Um, and listen, UK, all all we ask is that you stop colonizing, you start. If there's anything we want you to colonize, well, not colonize. If there's anything we want you to take and steal, it's just it's just better better culinary tips, you know. It's like I don't I don't understand how, you know, Europe is seen as like the epicenter of a fine cuisine, and, and the British got nothing to say for it except for maybe beef Wellington, and that's about it. Like, and don't get me wrong, beef Wellington's some damn good shit, but like, really, that's that's all you got going for you, UK. That's all you got going for you. You got you got beer and beans and shit. Like, I don't care about. It any of that so if you're gonna steal if you're gonna colonize if you're gonna be an aggressor i mean take some goddamn good food although that is what you did that is why you invaded like <laughs> asia and stuff as you wanted spices and all the things to make your boiled chicken not taste like like shit but anyway it's okay it's okay let the deal go through not because i'm an xbox fanboy and i want to see xbox get bigger and stronger but because i'm just so damn tired of seeing you in the news god fucking damn it the other half of this, now and now we, we jump over from the UK, from one colonizer to another, we shift on over to the United States, 
where the other actually more more contemporary mainstream colonizer is uh, in focus now the the US government um, now we're talking about Microsoft agreeing to pay the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission of the U.S., $20 million for illegal... Actually, this is not connected to the um, Activision deal. This is... I, I don't know why how this ended up here, but let's read it nonetheless. Microsoft's agreed to pay the FTC $20 million for illegally collecting personal information from children on Xbox consoles without parents' consent. Maybe I put this in the X, uh, Activision uh, section because this sounds like something Activision would do. I don't know. According to an FTC statement, the Xbox sign-up process violates Children's Online Privacy Protection Act because it collects children's personal information without notifying their parents and getting their permission. Xbox was also accused of, quote, illegally retaining children's personal information, something the company has admitted and described as a technical glitch. The issue, which is mainly remedied as of late 2021, resolved or revolved around the process which required uh, was required when signing up for an Xbox Live account. When a user signed up for an account, they had to provide their full name, email, date of birth, everything, uh, w- even if they were under 13, uh, they were still asked to provide more personal info, uh, including the phone number. Until 2019, this is also included in a pre-check box agreeing to receive promotional material and to let Microsoft send user data to advertisers. So sending like a nine-year-old's user data to an advertiser. I don't see the problem. It's how's that any different from Saturday morning cartoons, but whatever. Only after this information was provided to the process uh, that required anyone under 13 to get parents to complete the rest of the account creation process. However, according to the FTC's complaint from 2015 to 2020, children's data was still retained even if the process wasn't completed sometimes for years. So here's the thing is, yes, wrong, and I'm a fan of holding the corporation accountable for not properly handling the privacy of young children but the fact of the matter is these kids are probably old now we're talking about 2015 kids if you're a 2015 kid you're probably a 2015 young adult at this point no one gives a shit about your personal information nobody gives a shit about you you're gonna go on there and make a tiktok and show your booty hole anyway so it doesn't really matter what you're doing anyway so xbox i say exonerate them they're 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 just you know they're just they're just a poor corporation they listen please profits are down right now they only made 2.4 billion dollars in revenue and the last quarter it's like come on go easy on them please it's been a rough time they've had to do fighting in court battles in europe of all places they don't even have ac can you imagine how hard it is for a guy like brad smith to go over to the uk and fight to buy activision when the fucking uk ain't even going to give you ac in your goddamn hotel or whatever the hell it is he has to stay in he probably doesn't even get to stay in a hotel he probably stays in a flat in a bed and breakfast and it's it's just it's a lot so i i us i i I implore you to go easy on xbox they haven't had a a great a great year a great couple years they haven't had a great couple generations let's be honest so maybe and just give them a slap on the wrist and i say fuck them kids you know they're oh their information's out there in the wild big deal you know what i'm saying it's like my information's out there in the wild and still nobody talks to me so it's like the kids are probably be okay right if anything you need to be more worried about what happens someone wants to get to school because god knows no one's looking out for that shit but oh that's a different discussion so yeah kids no good uh uk no good uh call of duty let's make it xbox exclusive i say fuck the ponies call of duty black ops 2 remaster xbox series x exclusive fuck you series s and we'll remake every zombies map all right jesse for president let's move on all right guys let's get into the Mildly amusing stories. These stories of mild amusements, updates from last week, things of that nature. And this is kind of where like the news is going to rest or, or reside for the week. So uh, bear with me here. 
as we as we get into yeah as we get into these these first two, which I think are going to be quite interesting. I don't know how much how much mileage we'll get out of, especially this first one, but I think uh, quite interesting we we have here. So, hey, are you hyped about the game showcase this thir- this this Thursday this Sunday at one p.m. Eastern time? Well, well, guess what? We got some even better news to get you extra hype. So, uh, according to some tweets from uh, Mr. Aaron Greenberg, none of the first party trailers shown during the Xbox Game Showcase this upcoming Sunday will consist of just CGI footage. Uh, none will be entirely CGI footage. No trailers just showing uh, fucking Disney Pixar rendering of a fairy p- princess pixie dust flying around with a fucking name and nothing else. We're going to get actual gameplay or something that matters along with that CG footage. So after tweeting this past week that there were seven days to go until the showcase, the VP of Games Marketing, Aaron Greenberg, was asked on Twitter by a fellow uh, follower if the showcase would feature gameplay from un- from announced titles and CG trailers for unannounced titles, to which he said, and, and that's a really good question because that is generally how it goes. It's like, okay, we've announced this game a year or two ago. Now let's show gameplay. It's like, okay, so we haven't announced this game. Let's just show a CGI trailer. So he responds and goes, none of our first-party games in the show are full CG trailers. Everything is either in-game footage or in-engine footage or in-game footage with some cinematics. Each of our trailers will be labeled, so we'll hopefully clear it for our fans. And quote, it's not clear if Greenberg comments were in reference to the uh, recent PlayStation showcase, which was under some scrutiny for, you know, heavily CG trailers with not a whole lot of gameplay in certain cases, like with the... Um, with the PlayStation Studios game Fair Games coming soon. Uh, Greenberg also told another follower that there will be no movie trailers in the game showcase, which is clearly a reference to Sony's recent showcase that had a trailer for the upcoming August release movie Gran Turismo, which actually, side note, looks fucking awesome. I'm really excited to watch that movie. But anyway, uh, I almost want I almost want to love this, but it's like, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. So Every trailer is going to have either gameplay or gameplay with CG uh, trailer footage. That's that's great. That's phenomenal. That's awesome. I don't like this part where he gets to go. The uh, it may be in engine footage. So this is another thing I fucking hate when someone's like, "All right, the trailer is all in engine footage." You know, it's like a cinematic. It's like you're watching a fucking movie, and then it says in white, tiny eight point font in the bottom center of the screen. Um, in-engine footage, not actual gameplay. Like, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to clarify because this is annoying. It's like talking to a five-year-old who's just trying to be cute because they understand words now. Uh, in-engine footage but not actual gameplay is just as bad to me as CG trailer with no gameplay because I'll be honest, and this might be con- this might be a little uh, a, a little bit of a controversial thing to say on an Xbox podcast, especially because Xbox is the most powerful brand of gaming or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be, and also apparently because I'm a Nintendo hater. Uh, but honest to God, I don't give a shit how good a game looks. A game can look so insanely middle of the road. Like it, if a game looks really, really, really good, it's nice. Don't get me wrong; I appreciate that, admire that. I like it when games look very nice, but. That's not a deal breaker for me. And when I'm looking at a game saying, what is this game? Am I interested in this game? Is this a cool game? The last thing on the list of things that matter for me that matters is how the game looks. Because I just, I really don't care all that much. If the game looks like a fun video game, we got something to talk about. Uh, But if you're showing me in-engine footage of a cinematic that still gives me no concept of what the fucking game is, 
it's just as bad as giving me a CG trailer because I don't care about your in-engine world. I care about what the what the game is. It's like you know, it's like why nobody gives a shit about contraband because you showed us a trailer that doesn't give us any concept of what the game is, and therefore I possibly I couldn't I couldn't possibly bring myself to give a single flying fuck about this game until you show me the game. So a little bit of like a hey 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 hey. You're trying to get us hyped with this whole, you're going to see gameplay or you're going to see a mix of gameplay with CG, which is which sounds great. But then you're like, or maybe it'll be in-engine footage. I'm like, ah, they, they, now you got me. Listen, you don't stand to benefit by talking this way. So it, it, let's put it this way. If it ends up being that I'm just making a big deal out of nothing and it seems like pretty much every first-party game shown is going to have gameplay footage, then we're good. Nothing to talk about. This is great news. This is clearly Microsoft saying, hey, we can't keep fucking this up. We're, we, we've... we've burns through so much goodwill recently we've really got to give the fans something to really champion and be excited about and so you're just going to show gameplay for all these games that's phenomenal it's the it's the absolute most i could ever ask for and i appreciate it so that's best case scenario worst case scenario these guys are just straight up fucking lying to us and saying uh yes most of them will have gameplay but there are a couple trailers that are just going to be in game in engine footage and i don't know man like i that in engine it, it, it means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. Uh, whatever. It, it's not cool. It works in a movie. It, it, it can work for a movie. It does not work for a game. I always actually remember... I don't know why I'm going to say this, but... Uh, you know, real ones will remember this. Go back in time to 2007. If you go back to 2007, when the greatest movie of all time... And I say that with no... Uh, there's no sarcasm at all in that. I genuinely mean this. In 2007, in the summer of 2007, a movie called Ratatouille came to movie theaters, uh, created, directed by Brad Bird, created by Pixar Animation Studios, the greatest movie studio of all time, the greatest film of all time, Ratatouille. Um, when you watch that movie, there's a trailer at the fr- in the front of that movie, and it was for a movie that would come out the following summer. I think it came out in May or June of 2008. It's called Wall-E. It was Pixar's next movie, another great movie, by no means as good as Ratatouille, but another great movie. God damn it! And the reason I bring this up is because the the Wall-E trailer to me is so iconic and always sticks in my mind because Wall-E. For anyone who's seen it, and I assume a shit ton of people who are listening to this podcast have have seen Wall-E before, know that it's like, yeah, that's kind of a hard movie to market what it is because what it is at the beginning and what the movie evolves into, it's kind of a little bit of a tough sell. But it's a great movie that people of all ages will have a really fun time watching. I always remember the trailer for Wall-E because you could tell Pixar had like a really like tough time figuring out like how are we going to present what this movie is to audiences, and they're like, oh, I, we'll just do something cool and clever. And the trailer for Wall-E was. Um, just this like little like interview like footage of various you know executives and leads and artists at Pixar talking about like oh you know back in the summer of 1990 whatever when we were working on you know movies that would eventually become Toy Story and A Bug's Life and and Finding Nemo we had this one idea for this character but we didn't know what to do with it and then it shows like these sketches of like a little robot and then it's like and that character eventually turned into this little guy introducing Wally and then it like just like did like a little music intro and it just showed like a modern 3D rendering of what Wally would look like and he's just being a little cute robot he's just rolling around this fucking post-apocalyptic United States motherfucking probably probably Miami Florida and you're just like oh I don't know what that is but that sounds cool because I'm invested in Pixar they make good movies and now they're promising something that's like this brainchild from back in the past that they've finally been able to make into something interesting and now I'm compelled to check out what this movie is and I always remember that being like a really standout trailer to me because I'm like, it doesn't tell you a goddamn thing about what the movie is. It just introduces you to the character and makes you go, huh, 
oh, I already have buy-in with this with this with this movie studio, and this sounds interesting. It sounds like a passion project, and I and I want to be there for it. So I'm gonna watch that movie. That's great. That's great. That worked for Wally in 2007. That's fucking phenomenal. But when a video game trailer does something similar, it's it has a very opposite effect because my thing is like I'm curious to figure out what Wally is. I'm gonna sit my ass in a movie theater for 90 minutes and watch the damn thing. But I don't want to go fucking. Oh yeah. Remember the Xbox trailer where it's like a desk and it has like a world map on it and then it shows like a globe and then it shows like a bunch of fucking shuffled pep, uh, papers and books on another table and then there's like a chair and then there's like a window with light creeping through it and then it goes contraband and then it's like I really want to know more about No, not the same fucking effect, dude, cuz you're not telling me what the game is, if it's going to be fun to play because you could show me all the fucking dirty discombobulated desks desks across the entire fucking globe and it wouldn't mean a thing if i don't know if i'm playing an rts an fps an mmo a fucking uh god forbid dating sim i don't know like what what the hell is is contraband and i understand later on xbox was like it's a heist game four-player co-op but it's like that's lame dude i you can't you can't promote your games the same way you can't take an, a medium that is solely interactive and say Get hyped for this interactive experience that you don't get a taste of what it looks like. Because like that that is the whole point of a trailer. It's like, we can't put the controller in your hands and let you know what this game feels like. So we will present you gameplay that will try to give you the best idea possible of what the game might feel like once you do get the controller in your hands. You know, movie trailer is supposed to be like, here's enough of a movie to try to convince you that this movie is going to be something you're going to be emotionally and mentally invested in and you'll want to sit down for two hours and watch. It's a much easier sell. But I don't need my fucking video games trying to be like, in the summer of 1994, we had an idea for a four-player action co-op game that would be reduced price so we could add microtransactions on the back end and this game would have seasonal content that may or may not feature homages to 80s action movies like Lethal Weapon. Uh, that that game is contraband, coming 2020-whatever, because Xbox can't get a game out the door. And I, I'm not trying to be... I, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, a little goofy here, but all joking aside and harassing aside, it's just... I don't know, man. I want to be excited about this, and I am excited for this, and I don't even know why I'm going off so much about it. By the time you're listening to this podcast, we're like 72 hours away from figuring all this shit out anyway. But I just... I don't know, man. I, I hate... It's like the, the fucking little the disclaimer. It's like uh, everything will be in-game footage or in-game footage with cinematics. I'm like, yeah. And like, or, you know, in-engine footage. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you might as well just said nothing at all because now I don't know what the hell we're going to see. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that State of Decay 3 trailer said in-engine, the one we got like two years ago. It's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> it doesn't, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's less offensive when it's State of Decay because you, you have two other games to go off of to know what, what it might be like, but... A game like Contraband, like what the fuck? What is that? And like Perfect Dark, it's like you're reimagining Perfect Dark. So I need to see the game in action, dude. Like what? It, what is it? I don't know. Anyway, we're done. We're done here. We're not talking about this anymore. We're moving on to the second story here, which is probably the the biggest story we have to talk about. Um, uh, you know, other than our predictions, which is of course the most important thing. I'm sure many outlets will probably pick up this podcast this week to talk about what my predictions were. So I assume that will probably be the biggest thing we talk about. But the, the second biggest thing is. The story with Redfall. But yeah, this Redfall story broke just after last week's show. Wouldn't you know it? Ain't that always the case? But um, we got some really interesting 
update on Redfall, I think it doesn't change the way I feel about the game, but it definitely adds a lot of perspective and understanding to what happened with this game. So let's jump into this. I think it's quite interesting what we got here, but... From VGC, a new report claims to shed some light on the circumstances that resulted in Redfall's disappointing release last month. Following several delays, <clears throat> the, the first major Xbox exclusive from Bethesda with a number of released with a number of technical issues, generally reviewed poorly, gathering a 56 aggregate score on Xbox and a 54 on PC from Metacritic. Um, Redfall is a multiplayer looter shooter genre with a new uh, that's a that's new to creator Arcane Studios, which is best known for its critically acclaimed single player games Dishonored and Prey. Although I would add a disclaimer, it's not it's not exactly a looter shooter, but kind of a looter shooter. Anyway, according to Blo a Bloomberg report that was released last week, Jason Schreier, shout out to him. The game's development was uh, in hampered by a lack of clear direction, high turnover of staff, and insignificant resources for what was being built as a AAA game. The report, which is based on the accounts of over a dozen of anonymous sources who worked on the game, said that the project started development in 2018 after being pitched to staff as a multiplayer arcane game. Some members reportedly found the pitch confusing and felt unsure that the sort of gameplay arcane was known for would translate well to a co-op setting. The game reportedly suffered because of its development team continually uh, being understaffed, with Arcane Austin's office employing fewer than 100 people and insufficient outsourcing support offered by Bethesda. Many experienced a develop, uh, developers who weren't interested in making a multiplayer, a multiplayer game reportedly leaving the studio, with almost three-quarters of the Austin staff who had worked on 2017's Prey said to have been departed by this, uh, uh, from the studio by the time Redfall was actually finished. Arcane is said to have experienced difficulties filing vacancies, uh, filling vacancies with lower than average salaries in, in, uh, in its Texas location in the desire of in the desired prospe uh, prospective employees to work on single player immersive sims viewed as contributing factors. When development of the game started, Bethesda's then parent company Zenimax was, was reportedly pushing the studio to develop live service titles. And according to Bloomberg, Redfall had significant microtransaction plans in service in, sorry, in place for three years before it was scrapped in 2021, which explains a lot. Uh, the same year, Microsoft acquired Zenimax for $7.5 billion, and some Arcane staff reportedly hoped that Xbox would... Um, might even cancel Redfall or reboot this as a single-player game altogether. However, Microsoft took something of an off-hand approach to Bethesda's game development studios, as Xbox boss Phil Spencer acknowledged in the recent Kind of Funny Games interview, which we talked about exhaustively a couple weeks back. Quote, we didn't, this is from the interview, we didn't do uh, a good job early on with engaging Arcane Austin and really help them understand what it meant to be a part of Xbox First Party and and use some of our internal resources to help them move along the journey even faster. We, are, we left them to work on the game, they're a very talented team. Love that team. I still do. Bet on them for another great game. Blah blah. blah. But then he goes on and on and says, "Well, we said we. Um, I think we can engage earlier on with different studios, and I don't think there's a difference when it comes to what the creative is already set on a game and what's not. And I do think there's a difference when it comes in when the creative is already set on a game, and that's not washing our hands. Every game we ship from our teams is an Xbox game, so we take full responsibility for it." Spencer said that he believed the platform holder did a better job with Bethesda's other 2023 release, the upcoming sci-fi RPG Starfield, in terms of assisting the developer because the game was early in production when they acquired it. All right. So, yeah, he, he did talk about that. Phil Spencer touched on basically how they were more involved in, in, in Starfield's development because that game was a little earlier on, whereas Redfall was a little further along when they acquired him. So, like, you know what? They're doing their thing. Listen, I get it. Let's, let's give Phil Spencer the benefit of the doubt. It was like, hey, we just bought... 
this parent company, we don't want to come ruffling feathers and just knocking on Arcane's door and be like, hey, we own you now. What are you working on? This? This isn't right. This needs to be this. We're, we're taking over. This is what we're doing. I get it. It's like you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to piss off your developers. You don't want to upset them and, and, and risk losing talent and all these kinds of things. It's like, hey, let's kind of like leave these guys alone, sit back, observe, see what these teams are working on, see what these teams are doing, and then we'll kind of go from there based on you know what we think needs to happen. However, it's like, I don't know, you're telling me no one at Xbox was ever in the room with Arcane figuring out what was going on, and, and, and no one ever raised a question and said, hey, this game isn't coming together, like, we need to get involved. you tell me no one from Arcane ever came to someone higher up and was like, we need someone to get involved. We're begging for help. This game needs to be canceled. That you had you had people working on this game who secretly hoped Xbox would cancel the game when they acquired Zenimax and Bethesda. That's fucking insane. That that's just freaking insane. I, I, honestly, I feel like there's so many ways you can take this story now that you have this information. It's like I don't know. I, I feel like what happened was Xbox came in. They're like, so the Arcane guys are working on this new multiplayer kind of like open world sim co-op vampire slaying okay cool hey we need games our pipeline's a little dry these guys are kind of far along the process they usually release pretty good shit let's back off let them do their thing and, and let's have this game you know we'll have a quick easy access new uh kind of first party title to kind of get an easy win right they always they always do good shit so I, I get if Xbox kind of had that approach of just like, yo, let's leave them alone. It's a quick, easy get for like a first outing from these guys. But have we not learned enough with Halo, with what's happening behind the scenes with State of Gate 3, um, some of the other stories we've got from other teams, uh, what, what's happening with Redfall? It's like clearly we need someone to get involved. I feel like there's this version of Xbox that is so scarred by the Xbox of yesterday, the Xbox of the 360 era that was a little more micromanaging, a little more hands-on, a little more controlling, a little more business-oriented. Let's do the things that drive the numbers and that drive engagement and the things that are a proven success. And, you know, the, the Microsoft that ultimately drove Bungie away and kind of ended that relationship between one of the great game developers of all time and Xbox. And, uh, and it just seems like the Phil Spencer era, ever since he kind of came to power back in 2014, was it, has just been marked by this, like, attitude of, like, oh, we'll be super hands-off and leave developers alone. I get it. Listen, man. I get that Phil Spencer kind of came from the trenches all the way back in the day with his with his early starts and that he worked in-game development and that he's, like, quote-unquote, one of us as far as it goes for, like, the developers, right? It's like, what if one of our guys made it to the top? We have one of our guys representing us. And I and I truly believe that people that work for Phil, Phil Spencer do love him for this reason is because he's understanding, he's compassionate and empathetic towards the developers, the, the teams, and what their creative goals and ambitions are. And I don't doubt for a second that that is one of the truly excellent things about Phil Spencer but at the end of the day you have to deliver great games for your consumers that is your number one priority as the head of Xbox excuse me the CEO of motherfucking gaming and for them to just have not had any hands-on with this game for no one to have been in the room and said hey something's going on here this team has hemorrhaged three quarters of the staff that made its previous game that's fucking insane that literally tells you the team that made Redfall is not the developer that made Prey in 2017 100% is not that you have a group of people that worked on prey and worked on Starfield or, or Starfield on uh, Redfall but you do not have a developer that made prey also made Redfall kind of situation it's 100% not what you have here and that's that's deeply 
concerning. Like this, this team is officially a different team now. The people behind Prey and um, in Dishonored that that team doesn't exist anymore. It's like Bioware. It's like how we always talk about you know the guys that made Mass Effect and Dragon Age Two and all that shit back in the day. Like that's not Bioware today. Bioware is some other company with the same name and some people who rotate in and out from time to time. But for the most part. It's just this random team that EA owns that's called Bioware that's making games that Bioware once made. And that's kind of what Arcane Austin now is. It's just some some name that Bethesda owns that makes games that Arcane made. <laughs> you know, if they if they make a if they make a Prey 2 or a Dishonored 3, maybe some of those guys come back to the team to work on on these games again. Maybe but that core team you had that's responsible for these great hits that Arcane Austin was so beloved for, that team's defunct as far as I'm concerned. That's fucking sad. Like, that should never happen. Redfall, I, and I say this as someone who genuinely liked Redfall and thought it got a little more hate than it deserved. Uh, Redfall was not worth destroying the culture and the makeup of Arcane Austin. It was not worth it. And that's a, that's a fucking travesty that, that developers were left in a situation where they felt helpless. They felt like, like the team that they, that they had working together on these great, great games was just unable to do what they do best and was unable to find a way forward with the project that they were kind of pushed into and hoping that Xbox would come in and say, Hey, let's restart this game. You make it into what you want to make it, you know, or Hey, let's outright cancel this and you guys do something you feel more comfortable doing. I mean, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B of what Xbox needs to do, right? Because it's like, on the one hand, it's like Xbox should have been more hands-on so they could have been like, hey, this game is not happening. Like, people are not happy making it. This game's not coming together. We need to do something about that. But also, Xbox needs to do what they do best and be a little hands-off and be like, yo, you guys aren't happy making this? Cool. Cancel it. Go make a game you want to make. And of course, in part of the saddest part is it's like we're sitting here shitting on Xbox and how they fucked up with this. And the funny thing is this game was pushed onto Arcane from Bethesda, from ZeniMax, and this initiative a few years back to do more games like, like live service games. And so that's how this game ended up the way it was. And so really this should be Bethesda's problem, ZeniMax's problem. They should be the ones blamed, right? Because they pushed this game onto the developer. The developer didn't want to do this game. The developer really couldn't do this game. They weren't pro properly staffed or set up for this kind of game. People started leaving the project. And then Xbox came in, basically made it their problem by still not doing anything about it and letting the problem persist. And now it makes Xbox look bad for Bethesda's mistake. And, you know, I truly believe Redfall is an anomaly. I know it's like we talk about Xbox teams have made some mistakes and Xbox is in a rough spot right now. The situation with, with Redfall is no doubt a unique circumstance that I don't think will happen again because I think Xbox will take a very much uh, do your own thing kind of kind of approach to whatever Arcane does next. But the damage has been done. The team is already completely shifted and just dismantled and made it mangled into something completely new. And the reputation of the studio is already damaged because people don't like Redfall and Redfall already helped damage the Xbox brand and all for what? Because what? At one point a few years ago, ZeniMax was like, hey, live service games are, are popular. Do one. <laughs> and it said like, uh, it said in 2021, they canceled uh, plans. What was that? Uh, yeah. 
they canceled plans to have it be like a significantly microtransaction rated game, and then they scrapped that. As someone who played a lot of Redfall, I can tell you the game's really not a games as a service looter shooter microtransaction whatever. Because when you really play it, it feels like a single player game that you can play co op that's better enjoyed single player that has like light RPG elements like grinding for better guns and and leveling up. However, it's not it's not a kind of game where it's like. Oh man, I got like the level 17 Kyber gun. I, I need to go get the purple Doom Slayer skin and, and level it up to 87 and then grind for better, better, better gear. Like you can kind of do that on like a really rudimentary level, but that's not how the game actually plays. When you're playing the game, it's very much just like, hey, this gun's more powerful than the last gun. I'll use this gun for now. And you just continue to play your very standard Far Cry kind of single player open world FPS fare. Um, so the thing is, it's like I kind of. I understand it was supposed to be a lot of things that it's not, but the game plays very much to me like a single-player, open-world, FPS kind of game that is very self-contained. It doesn't need a whole lot of DLC. It doesn't need seasons. It doesn't need microtransactions or skins. It has a little bit of that stuff, and there's room to do more of it, but I don't know. I really don't classify this game as a live-service or a uh, or a games as a service type game because it, it's it's really not what we ended up getting and I do understand that the reason why it's a little bit of this and I don't kind of get that and I do kind of see this but it's not really that it comes from this game just being so misdirected with a team that didn't wasn't prepared to make a certain type of game was forced to make a certain type of game didn't want to do that tried to do something else you, you feel that you feel that in the final product because the the, the issues even I have with the game are just these issues exactly it's like it doesn't feel like a co-op game the game is actually less fun to play with friends i highly recommend you play it by yourself it is a better single player game than it is a co-op game and the the various characters with the different abilities it's kind of just silly it doesn't need to happen that way um but i mean this, hey here it is here's the story here's why and i hope the lesson learned is xbox is a lot more hands-on because yeah you can be really hands-on and still let the creatives do their thing right back off you know if rare if rare says hey we don't want to make banjo kazooie 3 we want to make a pirate online game let them do it but then make sure you have the right people in place to kind of be like all right let's make sure the game's coming along let's make sure you got something compelling let's make sure there's a good gameplay loop the game is fun the game is polished the game seems like something premium you know like have those milestones met and have someone producing and leading the studios have a rod ferguson or someone like that kind of making sure that teams are pulling out the, the the golden nugget of each game the thing that makes it special and are able to kind of pull that out and make make a unique fully fleshed out game rather than just hey you know what's popular right now is games as a service games make one of those single player developer and uh fuck you if you if it doesn't work out you know i just you got to know when you know it's like any good parent, any good manager, anything you like, you, you got to know when to when to trust your team, when to trust your child, and when to kind of step in and be like, okay, now there's now it's time for me to get involved. Now it's time for mom to get involved. Now it's time for manager to get involved. You know, it's like that's that's your job, Phil Spencer. That's your job, Team Xbox. That's your job, Matt Booty. Is figure out when you need to let your kid breathe and run and, and learn to fly and all that shit, and find out when you need to maybe step in and, and be there to help them out. And it just seems like they're all in this like stay out of it you know they'll find their way i get it it's cool it's cool to be that parent that tells a teenager explore yourself figure out who you are and what you want to be but if your kid's fucking smoking pot under the, the bleachers during gym class at some point you gotta be like oh okay kid let's let's figure out let's figure out some priorities okay and right now xbox you got a lot of kids 
doing blow in in the girls' locker room uh, during home e- economics, and it's just it's just not working out. So I highly I highly recommend you get these kids a fucking textbook, make them study for the upcoming math test because if they get a good grade, then they're gonna get into a good college, and if they get into a good college, they're gonna get more knowledge, and then they want to go to Jupiter where they would end up being more stupider. And that is just my personal take on the whole matter. But you tell me, hey, you there's a whole comment section, so you let me know what you think about it. So, all right. God damn. It's it's sad. It really fucking sucks. I, I, I hope there's a um I hope there's an Arcane Austin uh like reconnaissance team that's like trying to get the band back together uh in, in doing something to like make make good on this because to have squandered that team over Redfall, and I say this again as someone who actually had a good time with Redfall, that's a little disappointing. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about Halo Infinite. Speaking of disappointments. VGC relays some information from Halo Waypoint, which is that Halo Infinite's fourth season will introduce a new progression system to the game. That's right. If you've barely played season three because the game's been such a fucking letdown, well, get ready for season four. According to a new blog post from Halo Waypoint, when season four arrives on June 20th, it will be accompanied by a career rank, a new way for players to track their progress across all modes. Career rank will be similar to the progression system used in, I don't know, Halo Reach, Halo the Master Chief Collections, all the Halos where this was established and worked well and people liked it and we didn't have to deviate from it, but then we did anyway, though it's said to be most like the latter, the Master chief collection quote to make progress through these new ranks you'll all you have to do is play said senior commuter john i never can say his right name right junzek uh on the blog whether you're jumping into your favorite playlist solo or squatting up with your friends every complete matchmaking carries you forward additionally career rank utilizes performance-based progression uh taken directly from your personal score each match you better play uh the fast the better you play the faster you'll rank up players start off as a recruit as recruits, the only way to work through the six different tiers, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and onyx, before reaching the final title, hero. Each tier is split into a military-style ranks, which are split up into smaller increments called grades. Players' ranks will be available during match intros on player profiles and during post-game carnage reports. In general, in most places where you'll see a player's full nameplate banner or with their career rank, you will also see that be displayed. Career rank will also affect matchmaking, will not affect matchmaking in any way, and will not reset at the end of the season. It's meant to track your overall progress in Halo Infinite. Hey, this is great. This is what we wanted on like day one back in November of 2021. Uh, wouldn't that have been great? It's like an overall rank. It's like your level. It's like, hey, I'm level 173 because I played this game for so many goddamn hours that I just keep ranking up. It's great. It's what Call of Duty's had it forever. Halo used to have it. It's 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 phenomenal. I, right now on Modern Warfare 2, I'm like level 160 something because I I just keep playing the game. I just keep leveling. On Halo Infinite, I don't know what rank I am. I've put like 60, 80, 90 hours into the game. And I don't know because they just do these weird season progressions. So this is great. I I, I do wonder how they're going to make up for the retroactive, uh, y- you know, games that we've all played. Like, will the system have a way of looking at our, our gameplay history and being like, based on all the matches, you are ranked blank. You're starting out at this rank. Or will it be like, congratulations on your 300th hour of Halo introducing a new rank system. You're at rank one, you know? It's really cool that they're doing this. I, I've been waiting for this. This would have helped keep me hooked in a little longer because I, I like this kind of stuff. I, I know people are like, well, gameplay's king. If the gameplay isn't enough to keep you hooked, then maybe you're not even playing a game for the right reason. I say bullshit to that. As someone who has been thoroughly addicted to many, many, many a Halo or Call of Duty game in my lifetime, we all know that part of the fun is the endorphins that pop off a feel good you get whenever it's like, 
new attachment unlocked, new level reached, new prestige, new thing. You know, it's like that's that's the fun of it. So when I play a Halo game and I see I'm not bronze, I'm not silver, I'm not gold, I'm I'm platinum, I'm diamond. It's like it's one of those like fuck yeah, I earned that. And when I'm in a lobby and I'm the highest ranked person here, it doesn't mean I'm better than you. It just means look at that, I logged more time. I'm, that's how much of a veteran I am of this game. It's a cool thing. It's fun. It's a thing that helps keep you engaged and keeps you emotionally invested in the game. And I really think it's silly when people try to downplay like, oh well, don't don't hate on Halo for not having it. It's like what really matters is whether or not the game's fun. It's like well yeah, of course it matters that the game's fun, but. The other bells and whistles matter too. Otherwise, games wouldn't fucking have them in the first place. So, I care about these things. I wish this was in the in the game back in November of 2021. Better late than never, but it it is sad that it's like so. It, what it took you like fucking two years to figure out how to put ranking in the game? But yeah, I mean, at least we get it. I'm sure we'll see more about season four later. I wonder if season four is going to be announced and revealed and shown at e, at I almost said E3 at the Xbox Showcase on Sunday. Maybe. I could see that being the case, but goddamn, dude, like, I, I feel so guilty because I'm still, like, really into Modern Warfare 2. I did not expect to be into Modern Warfare 2 this long because generally I'm more of a Black Ops guy, but Modern Warfare 2 has kept me hooked since it came out at the end of October last year, and, you know, they just announced their Season 4, and uh, it looks pretty good, and I'm still into that game, and I, and it, and I feel guilty because I'm just like, man, I always want Halo. I'm always craving Halo. I craved Halo Infinite for so long. It took so long to get it. Why am I not more invested in it? It's just there's something about it. Like the game just feels it feels hollow. It just feels like it's not really there. And and I still don't feel the desire to go back and, and play it, to be quite honest. I just I'm like, oh that's great. Season four, good for the people still playing it, I guess. But I don't know. I just feel feel so burnt by Halo right now. But I'm glad for those who are still really invested that um this way, way, way overdue feature is finally there. But at the same time, I don't really blame 343 because again, going back to it. Xbox so gravely fucked up the management of the studio that I can't blame 343 for this, really. I, I kind of blame Microsoft. Like, you guys just, you didn't manage the team or the project right, and so this is what you get. So, congratulations, Season 4. You're bringing uh, features that should have been with the game on day one. And also, shout out to Season 4 for coming to the game two, two years later. Um, anyway, let's talk about Diablo 4, a game that's doing very well. Um, Activision Blizzard's claimed that Diablo 4 is Blizzard's fastest selling game of all time. Uh, this has been based on pre-launch unit sales, which come in at record levels on both console and PC. Uh, th so this is before the game's even out. They already have this information. Um, but of course, now the game is out. They have probably better sales data. But yeah, are already uh, over 93 million hours of playtime have been recorded during just the early access period alone. So clearly this game is going to be fucking huge. And hey, speaking of Xbox, here's a quote from Mikey Barr who says, Our vision at Blizzard is to create legendary experiences for all to share. Diablo 4 is an incredible realization of that vision. Come back to Xbox. We miss you. But yeah, shout out to Diablo for killing it there. We've got two more quick ones. Speaking of Call of Duty, Activision, Blizzard, Bobby Kotick. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick has revealed that the company wanted to acquire Time Warner at one point. In an interview with Variety, Kotick said that Call of Duty Maker was ready to swoop in and make a bid for Time Warner if AT&T had really been unable to complete the $85 billion acquisition of the media entertainment company. But despite significant oppositions from the U.S. government due to antitrust concerns, the deal eventually did go through in 2018. Uh, so, you know, fuck you, Activision. Uh, quote, we did take the IP and turn it into games. They take out IP and turn it into a film and television, and they have an extraordinary company, Kodak said. We raised all the capital level and were ready to go uh, in the event that AT&T couldn't get the deal done. Time Warner's successful, uh, successor 
Warner Bros. Discovery has recently enjoyed the notable success in the games business with Hogwarts Legacy becoming a one billion plus gaming franchise for them. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Call of Duty or uh, Activision rather are looking at that, going, "Shit, that could have been our game." <laughs> um, hey man, that's that. I wonder how that would have gone though, because if they had done that in 2018 and then Microsoft tried to acquire them last year, how would that? Because now you, now you got Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and Batman and all that shit. It's like how how does that go when? Uh, <laughs> When Xbox is acquiring the the publisher that has Call of Duty, Overwatch, Diablo, all that shit, in addition to all the WB properties as well. Um, obviously, you know, I think a lot of Xbox fans would have been hyped about that because clearly, you know, there was that rumor a couple of years back. It's like, oh, will Xbox buy the WB Games division? Imagine it. They got Spider-Man on PlayStation. We could have Batman, et cetera, et cetera. Think about, you know, Mortal Kombat, all that shit. And uh, it would have come full circle regardless had Activision acquired them because now Microsoft's trying to acquire Activision. So, again, it just goes to show how every time Microsoft opens up their wallet, things come full circle. I mean, I'm waiting for them to buy Denny's because I'm sure it will make sense somehow. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Xbox and their great deep pockets. Uh, lastly, I don't know why this really doesn't belong here. I just wanted to throw it in there. Apple unveiled their long-anticipated mixed reality headset, the Apple Vision Pro. Announced during their Worldwide Developers Conference on Monday, the headset comes in at $3,500 US and is coming out in early 2024. Billed as Apple's first spatial computer, Vision Pro will be released in more countries later next year. Now, obviously, Apple is not really pushing this hard as like a gaming device, which is mostly how we've seen VR type devices, although this is clearly a VR slash AR device. It's not just one, it's a fair bit of both. But, uh, yeah, the, we're used to seeing these devices mostly push as something that are for like industry type enterprise environments or a gaming device. And this is Apple trying to do what Apple does best and take something that, you know, the tech has been around for a long time. Many, many a company have dabbled with it and done their own version of it. But now Apple is going to take it, do a really unique personalized version of it and make the mass market suddenly give a shit about its existence, even though everyone who's mildly into tech knows it's been around for a very, very long time. It's just now we have to care because Apple does it. I'll be honest, I see people totally shitting on this device. I think it looks pretty fucking cool. Oh, well, don't get me wrong. Any VR, AR headset looks fucking stupid. You look like an idiot wearing it, whether it's an Oculus, a Microsoft HoloLens, an Apple Vision. I don't care what it is. You look like an idiot. But in terms of what the device is capable of and their unique solutions to various things that other devices don't do or don't do well, I think this device looks fucking cool. You know, this is why this is why you don't have blind faith or or fanboy allegiance towards any one company or anything because it's stupid, first of all. And also because, yeah, who gives a shit if I, if I have Android or whatever. Vision Pro looks cool. And I, I got to say, I'm a little bit jealous because Microsoft had HoloLens. I mean, HoloLens was announced, what, in 2015, I think it was, 2015? And we never really got that full consumer level HoloLens that we had hoped for. And HoloLens 2 did eventually come out. It was very, very, very cool. And it was very much only for enterprise. And it really sucks that we just never got like a HoloLens 3 for consumers. I would have loved that. And this device kind of just reminds me, wow, wouldn't it be cool? And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this thing takes off. If it does, I think it will obviously change the way VR, AR headsets, you know, evolve. We'll see those two categories probably start to merge a whole lot. And then we'll also get to see VR as a gaming platform 
take off a little more and be legitimized more. Really, Oculus is the only thing that's really been able to move the needle in that regard. A little bit PlayStation VR, but mostly Oculus. And uh, I feel like Apple could help kind of move the needle as well. So that it'll be interesting to see what if this turns into anything. I understand it's expensive, but listen, man, people pay out the ass for a MacBook. People pay out the ass for an iPhone. People pay out the ass for an iPad. Apple Watches are pretty reasonably priced, but people will pay out the ass for anything Apple makes, okay? And I'm not, that's not a criticism. I love Microsoft Surface, which is also vastly overpriced. You know, I paid fucking $1,500 for a Surface Duo. I'm in no position to talk. But um, it's just one of those things. Like, I, I see people laughing about the price, laughing about the price. I don't know, man. Apple, ever since the iPhone first came out, or really ever since the iPod, Apple hasn't been able to put out a device that really didn't take off or or get the world to stop what they're doing and, and, and just start worshipping at their feet. So I find it kind of hard to believe this this device is going to come out and just be a fucking big old dud like some people are insinuating. But I don't know. I think it looks cool. I think it's interesting. It's got some really compelling ideas, some unique solutions. I'm a fan, and I want to see more of this shit. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Apple for having a really cool, unique approach to this, this, this market. And whether or not it works, I'm I'm excited just to see people try new things. So, shout out to Apple. Guys, that's going to do for all of our stories of small, mild amusement, updates, things of that nature. With that all out of the way, we can get one step closer to our predictions for the Xbox Showcase. But before we jump into that, which is taking the place of our regular news segment, I first want to tell you about the games I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, I got to tell you about what I've been eating with my face and my mouth at the same time. And it's... The Everglazed Breakfast Burger. Guys, so this past Sunday, we go to Disney Springs because there's an AMC theater there, and we're going to watch Spider-Man in, what is it, fucking Out of the Spider-Verse, Beyond the Spider-Verse versus the Spider-Verse. I actually don't know the name of this movie because I didn't pay too much attention to the marketing leading up to it because I just knew I was going to watch it and I didn't care. Side note, that movie's fucking amazing. Probably the best movie I've seen this year. Maybe Suzumi is a little bit better. I don't know. It's Suzumi or Spider-Man, but this goddamn this movie is so good. Please go watch it. Please watch it a million times. It's so fucking good. I love Miles Morales. Anyway, that as a side note, we're at Disney Springs. We're about an hour away from our movie starting, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to grab some breakfast. It's about 10.30 in the morning. I'm a little hungry. Let's do something before we go into the movie. So Everglazed over at Disney Springs is the uh, local... It's like some local donut place that is at disney and it's uh you know it's like a donut shop they got like cold brew coffee it's cool it's a little hip they got the, like the fake grass on the wall they blast 2000s pop punk and in radio music and you get to hear the killers when you were young in there and so it's like a cool space they got they got really over the top donuts they got the of course the donut with the fucking bacon bits on it so they got all that shit going on i like this place a lot i actually really like their donuts their atmosphere is a little weak, but their, their donuts are great. Their coffee's great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this place. Everglazed Donuts. Uh, it's right next to the AMC, so we're waiting for our movie to begin. I'm like, let's go grab some coffee and maybe a breakfast sandwich or something. So normally when I go to this place for breakfast, I like to get their classic breakfast sandwich. It is just two eggs, two sunny-side-up eggs, two pieces of cheese, in a sweet bread bun. So it's kind of like a like an egg and cheese sandwich, like a bacon, egg, and cheese, but you, I get it without the bacon because I don't need bacon. I'm, I'm trying to be somewhat not terrible in my body. So I usually just get the egg and cheese and so much cheese and so much egg anyway that you don't need any more fat. So normally I get this, and it's a great sandwich. It's a, it's like a sweet, fluffy, breakfasty kind of bun. It's almost like it's like something between like a, a Hawaiian roll and a donut. It's like really delicious. So it's a sweet bun with 
two eggs and two pieces of cheese, and it's just a wonderful, fat, big old, delicious breakfast sandwich. I always go for it. But this day, I'm feeling like I should march to death maybe just a little bit faster than usual. So I said, you know what? Let's try something different on the menu. I noticed they have a breakfast burger rendition of this. It's the same thing, but instead of two eggs and two cheeses, it's one egg, one cheese, and a burger patty on that on that sweet bun bread thing. Now, the other thing I forgot to mention is you have the option of replacing the sweet bread with a donut as your bun. You, they'll just cut a donut, like a classic glazed donut in half and use that as a burger bun or a sandwich bun. I've never done that because that to me is just a step too far. I just, I, I don't think I could handle that. Uh, I'm sure it's delicious, but I haven't tried it. So I still skipped on that, but I did get the burger version. So it is, I'm literally eating at, at 10 in the morning a, a breakfast cheeseburger with onion. It's just, it's just, what is it? It's just like mayo, cheese, egg, and burger. I wish I had onions. That would make it way better. But anyway, this thing is fucking phenomenal. Oh my God. It, it's weird eating a burger patty with your morning coffee, but in this case of this sandwich, it worked and I'm happy and I felt like I became a better person. So if you want something that is greasy, delicious, large, filling, satisfying, moderately overpriced because you're at a theme park, then by God, if you're ever at Disney Springs located as part of the Walt Disney World Resort here in Orlando, Florida, uh, zip code 34-something, I don't actually know the zip code of Disney Springs, and I should. It's a Lake Buena Vista address. Now I feel like a fucking sham. I'm a fake Disney fan. I'm a fake Disney fan. Nobody loves me anymore because of it. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful place. If you're ever at the Disney Springs shopping, dining, entertaining yourself by going to perhaps uh, – the Cirque du Soleil or the AMC movie theater. Highly recommend you check out Everglaze. They have great donuts. The Ube donut's the best one. It's the one made with the uh, the Filipino purple yam shit. So fucking good. But anyway, uh, shout out to the breakfast burger. It got me in just the right mood to go watch two and a half hours of animated Spider-Man that had me in tears. Shout out to Miles Morales, who is, you know, shout out to that movie, dude. It, it is not easy living up to the the uh, the love and, and uh, in respect the world collectively has for Peter Parker, who is objectively the most relatable and lovable superhero uh, in the world. Fuck you, Batman. Um, but Miles Morales, it, it's impressive, dude, because between the video game and between this movie, I, I don't, I'm not going to lie and pretend like I used to read the comics. I, I don't. I love Spider-Man. I'm a lifelong Spider-Man fan. I don't sit around reading Spider-Man comics all day. never really have. Um, but Miles Morales, dude, as someone who's like feels thoroughly introduced to him, now that I played the games on PlayStation and I've seen these movies, I'd say he's just he's just as lovable as Peter Parker, which is like an impossible feat. Like you, you would think that's impossible to do, but they they do such a good job of making him like his own unique character, who is like just wholly independent of Peter Parker, but he's also relatable and lovable, and you're able to empathize with him for exactly the same reasons. But it feels completely new at the same time. It's so, dude, so fucking good. I love this movie. If you don't like this movie, you're a stupid person. You have a stupid brain, and I don't love you. And also, your parents probably strongly considered putting you up for adoption at some point when you were very young. But you're just too young and stupid at the same time to remember that your parents had that conversation probably nightly, honestly. So that's just the fact of life. That's what I've been eating. And with that said, I think we're ready to get into what I've been playing this week. Guys, same two games as last week, but better now. Except, in fact, Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun. This game's super good. I'm at the home stretch of it. I'd say I'm about 75% through the game. Really, really good shit. I don't have anything to add to this this game. I, I, I'm just adoring it. I'm savoring it. And so what I decided to do, actually, is put the game on hold for a second because it's one of those few rare games where I know that if I, if I walk away from this game, 
I can come back to it at any time and I'll be just as addicted as where I left off, which is a very big compliment because with most games, it's like, I like this game a lot, but if I put it down for too long, I'll get distracted and then I'll never come back to it. This is not one of those games. I know for a fact, I could, I could stop playing this game for a full month, come back and I would be just as happy as where I was when I left off. But uh, I, I intentionally put it down because I don't want to get distracted from the second game I've been playing this week, which is the game I've been playing more so this past week. Um, which I am. I, uh, side note: I haven't been playing games a whole lot this past week because just buying a house uh, makes you so anxious and takes up so much time that you just want to curl up in a ball and, and cry. But when I have been playing games this week, I, I'm about four hours deep into Alan Wake, which I tried to start last week. I did start this week, and another funny thing: I, I'm sure everyone can relate to this with gaming, where there's like a game where I think I like this game. You give it a go, you download it, whatever it is. You boot it up, and you're like, ah, it's not clicking with me. I don't know. Maybe this game isn't for me. And then you move on, and you never, you know, whatever. A year goes by, two years go by, whatever. And then you just have some weird inclination to just go back and give it a second chance. And when you do it, it's like, I was I was on crack cocaine last time I played this game because now I love this game. Everything that didn't work for me before is now my favorite thing in the world. In fact, I'm, a, I'm an Alan Wake stan, and I'm actually going to dye my hair black just so I can feel a little closer to the character. And that's how I feel playing Alan Wake. I don't know what the fuck happened. I think it was a year ago when I tried to play this game. Um, I got like an hour into the game, and I was like, it's good. It feels like a Remedy game. I love Remedy. I've always been ashamed that I never played this game. I'm ready to play Alan Wake, but for some reason, it's not clicking with me. This time, just fucking love Alan Wake. I don't know what I was smoking last time. I am so into this game. Alan Wake is phenomenal. I gotta be honest, I'm I'm only about halfway through the game, but I already think this game might be just as good. I probably don't like it as much as Quantum Break, but... I think I like it more than Control, but maybe that's just because Control is so mature in terms of, like, its ideas and what it tackles that it hurts my tiny brain. But I don't know, man. This game, to me, is just... It's eerie. It's ominous, but not necessarily scary. Um, But it's absolutely, like, fitting within the horror genre. And it feels like a really good Halloween game. And I'm always looking for a good Halloween game to play. And it's just... God, its setting and its tone are just so on point. And it's got that awesome remedy thing where it's just like i feel like I'm, I'm watching a goddamn movie i don't even feel like i'm playing a game it's like it's this is the, this is why and, and if you listen to the show for a long time you know i've made this argument many times this is why i think remedy is better at what naughty dog does with uncharted and the last of us than naughty dog is this is why i think remedy is better at this third person action narrative driven single player intimate story driven experience this is why i think they're better at that than fucking sony santa monica in the coalition with gears War. this is what I really think Remedy is the best team at this. And I understand it's like kind of a hot take and people probably don't agree with it for the most part, but I really do believe Remedy Entertainment is the best developer when it comes to these single player, deeply narrative driven cinematic experiences. Because not only does Remedy do a really good job of making these characters just insanely convincing and compelling and these worlds interesting and the story's great, but there's also so gameplay focused at the exact same time that you don't feel that weird feeling you play when you play like a like a Last of Us or an Uncharted where it's like this is like a really solid game with a phenomenal story on top of it. Instead, you feel like this is a really phenomenal game with a really phenomenal story married together. And that, you know, like 
I don't know, man. And, and, that, and that's not to shit on PlayStation or anything. I, I just don't give any Xbox examples because Xbox really doesn't have a whole lot of games like this, which, as a side note, is why Xbox are fucking stupid for not buying Remedy Entertainment when they probably definitely have the chance because this would have been the best first party you could have fucking bought. But, as you know, that's beside the point. I, I love these guys. Their games are so fun, but their characters and their writing and their stories are so good. Now, I got to be honest. You could feel the Europeanness when you play a Remedy game. So the writing isn't like perfect Hollywood cinema kind of level of just really well written, but the immersion is so great and the writing is good enough that you quickly get over the Europeanness of it, the Ikea ness of these games, and you're able to just be like, I don't care. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm, I'm engrossed. I'm attached to the characters. I'm invested. And I don't know. I, did, I didn't realize how much Quantum Break kind of builds off of Alan Wake. Not not in terms of its narrative being tied to it, but more so in terms of Quantum Break does that, that TV thing where it's like literally trying to be a TV show and a video game at the same time. Alan Wake, I didn't realize, had a little bit of that. They were dabbling with those ideas a little bit with Alan Wake. Like they have like this knockoff version of the Twilight Zone Um TV show and you can like walk into cabins and just there'll be a random episode on and they take this time to like fill like film these actual live action shows and have these new ca- newscasts on these radios and do all this kind of like TV and entertainment and content that's just pushed into the crevices and corners of, of, of the game all throughout and it's so easy to just stop what you're doing and be like yeah I know I'm like following the objective but I'm gonna stop real quick and just sit down in this cabin and just watch this this small black and white TV that's all staticky because they made this random ass side content that's actually like super engrossing and compelling. It's just as good as the actual game. And it's just, I love that shit so, so much. The gameplay mechanic for this game is super unique. The whole like shining the flashlight on them and then shooting them, but you can damage them with the flashlight and you can use light to your advantage, but you can also use like other, I don't don't know. It's like, it's combat, but it's also defense. And it's like a little bit of both. And you don't always have to kill to to get around the enemies. And I, I love it. It's, it's stressful. It's a little bit of that resource management, but you also kind of feel powerful and like you can kill things if, if that's the way you need to get through scenarios. So you can kind of play the game the way you want a little bit while it's also being rather linear so it's not like every modern game where it's trying to get you to expand your open vast arsenal of tools in this excellent open world where you can traverse with fucking planes trains and automobiles it's like i don't need that shit the game's just it's straightforward it's linear as hell but it also allows you to kind of approach scenarios sometimes in the way you want and it has a really unique combat mechanic and it has a deeply compelling cast of characters that are just really unique to gaming. I mean, you play it. I love that. I love the idea of like, you play as someone who is not a conventional video game archetype. It's not, he's not a soldier. He's not some trained guy with a gun that, that really knows what he's doing. You play as a fucking lame ass fucking author who writes scary books. You play as like a, 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 a B tier Stephen King who gets fucking, your wife gets freaking kidnapped by some monster ghost, ominous force. And you're trying to like, find her and rescue her without the cops thinking you're a fucking crazy person and it's just it's cool it's a really fucking cool game i'm playing the remastered version of the game because it was on sale for like 10 bucks a couple weeks ago um and it's not like an amazing remaster the game definitely looks better than the 360 version looks but i don't feel like oh my god this is just stunning the way they did it so if you've never played this game the regular 360 version is on game pass i recommend you just play it that way um because the original version was 
published and funded by Xbox Game Studios, and then uh, Microsoft stupidly let this team go, and they even sold them the IP rights to Alan Wake back a few years ago, and then Remedy went with Epic Games, signed a big deal. Epic Games is publishing like a bunch of their games. One of their games was a re-release of Alan Wake, and so this re this remaster's re-release of Alan Wake is not published by Microsoft. It's published by um, Epic, and uh, so got just absolute big major fucking L for Microsoft. I understand it's like Remedy doesn't have massive system selling like, oh my God, stop what you're doing. Everyone's playing Alan Wake. Everyone's playing Quantum Break. Everyone's playing Control. I understand they don't make games of that caliber for, for whatever reason, but it's it's not because the games aren't good enough to be that kind of game. It's because simply everybody else who plays and consumes video games are just too fucking stupid and useless as human beings to appreciate how phenomenal these games are. I'm talking about, you know, fucking Max Payne 1 and 2, phenomenal. Alan Wake, so far, phenomenal. Quantum Break, probably the best game on the Xbox One. Uh, it's it's Quantum Break, Halo 5, and 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 um, and Sunset Overdrive. Those are the three best Xbox One games. Fight me, you idiot. Uh, and then and then Control, which is probably my least favorite Remedy game, but I say it's my least favorite with the understanding that I think the game's like a 9 out of 10. I absolutely love it. It's a very, very, very good game. I highly recommend it. Like, they don't make anything that is less than excellent. Shut up if you're laughing about the Crossfire X campaign. We're not getting into that. But uh, <laughs> shout out to Alan Wake. Shame on me for taking so goddamn long to getting around to this game. And, uh, I mean, I, I started playing this because the, the Alan Wake 2 trailer just looked so freaking good. It's rare that a game trailer gets me that hyped about a game, especially that it w wasn't really, like, super looking at. Uh, but man, I just, I, I, now that Redfall is out and it is what it is and Atomic Arts, Atomic Heart already came and went and is what it is. I gotta be honest. I think Alan Wake 2 is probably my, my most anticipated game of the year looking forward. Like, I mean, looking forward, I don't, I don't know what I'm really looking forward to this year, uh, left on Xbox other than Starfields, Alan Wake 2 and whatever the next Call of Duty game is, um, you know, obviously we're not getting Spider-Man, so that's that's the big game that we're not going to get. And then, obviously, it's been a great year, Zelda and Diablo and all that shit. But as far as, like, what I'm personally really looking forward to, I think Alan Wake 2 is probably my next big one because I'm, I'm loving Alan Wake. Alan Wake 2, from what we're seeing in the trailers, looks like a really, really compelling evolution of this game's formula. It looks like it's leaning more and more into that horror element, which I'm looking forward to trying. It looks like it's Alan Wake 1 mixed with a little bit of Resident Evil, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So, super hyped about that. Shout out to Remedy, one of the great developers of all time. I would say Remedy, Insomniac, Bungie, City might be up there. Although, not personally, just in general. I don't know, man. They're just one of those developers. I think they, they can do no wrong. Everything they touch turns to gold, but it's a European tinted gold. So please make sure you get your shots before you touch it. All right, guys, that's it for what I've been playing this week. Now we can get into the news, which this week, of course, is the Xbox showcase predictions. Long awaited. We're an hour and a half in almost. Oh, my God. Let's just get into it. All right, you guys. So let's jump into the predictions couple weeks I've been teasing this now finally get to get into it I'm excited I should say uh, just a tease since we are talking about the game showcase um, next week's podcast will probably go up a couple days early probably will go up a couple days early obviously it goes live every Thursday generally but because of the showcase being on Sunday I'll probably be recording shortly after the showcase ends 
and it will go live Monday. So this week's podcast, obviously, if you're listening to it now, it went live on Thursday, regular time. Next week's podcast, you're probably getting it a couple days early on Monday instead of Thursday. Um, that's just because why, why wait? Let's get it out there. And then, you know, from then on out, we'll be back to normal schedule. So I guess uh, next week's episode, you'll get a little early. And then the week after that, you'll have to wait a little extra longer since the since that episode went out early. It'll be a longer gap between episodes. But who gives a shit? We're just excited to talk about all the showcase news. I'm super hyped. Not only that, but again, last reminder, if you're interested, Sunday, 1 o'clock, I will be streaming the Xbox Showcase from my Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash lightningmixstream. So if you want to hang out, watch the stream with us, chat it up, uh, be amazed, disappointed, um, surprised, hurt, excited, aroused, all together, head on over to twitch.tv slash lightningmixstream. Should be a good time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, June 11th. Guys, let's get into our predictions. So here's how it works. I wrote a bunch of predictions. I don't even know how many I have here. Maybe about 15, 20 predictions. And then I solicited some questions from or some predictions from you guys. And y'all have been writing them for the past two weeks. So we got about, I don't know, seven or eight of them from you guys here. So we'll go through mine. We'll go through yours. And we'll talk in between and and in and, and cherry pick and discuss whatever. And uh, it should be a fun time. I should say uh, I, I wrote most of these predictions last week. And then when I was doing the podcast notes, notes this week, I accidentally deleted them. Didn't notice I had deleted them until or until I had completely completely changed the Microsoft OneNote document I used for the podcast notes and written all over it with new information, new notes, everything. So there was no way to go back and retrieve my old predictions from that I'd wrote uh, a, a week ago. So basically, I had to try and remember some of those predictions and then come up with a whole list of new ones. So yeah, I, I, I feel like there's some some special sauce missing because there were some really good ones in that last batch, but I just couldn't remember them all and I had to come up with some new ones. So the, the idea about these predictions, I'm not trying to be super serious about them. So some of them I think are legitimate predictions, but some of them are so obvious. So I try to like throw a little uh, kink in them and try to spice them up with some added flair. And then some of them are just ridiculous outlandish predictions just to kind of make it fun. So I think it should be a fun exercise to get us in the spirit, in the mood, excited for the showcase while also getting us, uh, you know, the creative juices flowing, getting us thinking and wondering about what things we might see or hear uh, during June 11th's uh, showcase event. So without further ado, let's get into my first showcase. And there's no particular order. There's just a hodgepodge. My first prediction is that at some point, Phil Spencer is going to have some kind of monologue where he will mention something about players being at the center of it all, whether he says putting players at the center of gaming or at the center of Xbox, it's all about the player, or we want to put players at the center of our ecosystem, whatever the hell he says. Phil Spencer will mention something to the effect, and maybe it will be Sarah Bond or someone like that, but Phil Spencer is going to mention something about players being at the center of it all. That's my first prediction. Pretty safe bet. I feel like he always says something like that. So there's the first one there. A little warm-up. They'll get spicier, trust me. But that is my first prediction. My second prediction, let's talk about Halo. Uh, This is the only time Halo is going to pop up on this uh, list. So let's just get it out of the way. Uh, I put, Halo continues to be absent and break all of our hearts. I'll put a little bit of our vision on this. I think, like I said earlier in the show, there is a slight chance that maybe we get a Halo Infinite Season 4, like, reel that shows, like, the new maps and the new content, whatever. That's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't care. But 
I, I mean, there's not going to be like a new Halo game announced or a new spinoff announced or some substantial note or like some apology about the way Xbox completely fucked up Halo and mismanaged the whole development cycle of Halo Re- or Infinite or anything like that. I don't. We're not getting anything like that. It's just going to be, I think, mostly a pretty Halo absent event. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we definitely don't see Halo, no season four update or anything, just because they want to kind of keep Halo in the distance from all the new stuff they're doing just to keep kind of the hype centered around the exciting fun stuff that they haven't fucked up rather than on all the stuff that they dropped the ball on. So that's it for Halo. Uh, Let's talk about a game we'll no doubt, I think no doubt we'll see, which is State of Decay 3. So I put State of Decay 3 will be shown with a full gameplay reveal in a target release year, but no specific date. I also said State of Decay 3 will surprise by revealing itself to be a dating sim. No kink shaming in parentheses. So State of Decay 3, we'll get a gameplay reveal. We'll get a vague release date, not a specific one. So probably just like 2024 or something like that. Maybe spring 2024. Uh, and then, yeah, it's it's going to be a dating game. And there's going to be no kink shaming. So, you know, if, if you dating zombies is your thing. No judgment. State of Decay 3 has got you covered. It's going to be the game just for you. Um, I am really excited to see State of Decay. You know, all joking aside, I am really excited to see State of Decay 3 in action because I feel like they've had enough swings at this franchise and Undead Labs now has enough time, money, resources, and everything to stop being that like independent third-party game for Xbox or independent second-party game for Xbox and start being that super high-quality AAA first-party game for Xbox. I feel like this could be, you know, kind of like if you follow the PlayStation events, they had Helldivers 2. The first Helldivers was a top-down twin-stick shooter, kind of like Destiny-style game. But now the new one's going to be like over-the-shoulder third-person, fully like next-gen AAA looking. Like, I want to see that kind of reveal happen for State of K3 where it doesn't look janky, the mocap is there, and it looks super state-of-the-art and, like, a really well-detailed, next-gen, boundary-pushing, open-world experience. They've beefed up the staff at Undead Labs. They've hired many more people. They've got the game looking and running like absolute magic. I feel like that's what State of K3 really needs to do. And then maybe just try to streamline a little bit of what the game's about because I feel like it's a little little convoluted and a little uh, unwelcoming, I feel like, to outsiders where the game's just, like, just not very focused on what it is and sometimes it can be a little hard for newcomers to come to it so i feel like state of k3 has a real opportunity here to kind of reestablish itself in, in a way be a great jumping on point for new players and i hope that's kind of what we see here but state of k3 i'm thinking we'll see it there's no doubt it's it's been too long we gotta see it speaking of games that we just we gotta see i think we'll see yeah i think st- contraband same thing We'll get a gameplay trailer. We'll finally see it in action. We'll see what the game actually is, not just some fucking sizzle reel of uh, of, of, of desks with maps on them. And um, we'll see the game running in action with four-player co-op or whatever it is, two-player co-op, four-player co-op, the, the heist missions, whatever it's supposed to be. And we will probably get a vague release date. This one in particular, I don't think we'll get a solid release date. I think we'll just get a 2024 is what they're, they're going to slap on it. I think 2024 is going to be a big year for Xbox. I think they're going to try to get a handful of these games that we've been talking about for a few years out the, out the door next year. So that's my prediction for Contraband. I also put, maybe this is just a subconscious nod to that that awesome-looking heist game that they announced at the Game Awards a few months back, but I also said, in parentheses, the game will have a weirdly star-studded cast that they will tout during the trailer. So, I don't know, maybe they got, like, fucking uh, Robert De Niro or some shit 
uh, as like the godfather and you got to take missions from him and go rob banks or something like that. Uh, but that is my prediction for Contraband. Second party exclusive game for Xbox from Avalanche. Not the guys making Harry Potter, but the guys that make Mad Max. And my next one, and this is kind of like a, a, a one, two, three, four, five, like in a row, like all the games that we've been waiting to see. This th- this is why I think, and I, and I should clarify, overall, I think this is going to be a strong event. I think this event is going to be, at the very least, the best event since 2020. Um, it's going to have lots of gameplay, lots of tentative release dates or specific release dates. I think we're going to get a lot of looks at games we've been waiting to see. So I have high expectations for this, this show overall. I, re- I really think... Xbox has a um, we can't fuck it up mentality. They just know like last year they just had no games. This year they have games, but it's a little up and down, hit or miss. And I just think they know like this this event has got to hit because next year's got to be a huge year for them. Um, so that is why I think the next game we will see is Perfect Dark, the initiative slash Crystal Dynamics co-developed reimagining of the perfect of the Perfect Dark series will be shown off. We will get to see. Joanna Dark running around this, what I assume will look something like Deus Ex meets Laura Croft kind of third-person action world, and it will look kind of fucking badass, and we will be like, okay, this isn't necessarily the game I needed to see Xbox bring back, but I'm down for it. This game looks pretty cool. Perfect Dark, I'm really excited to see this, because even though I don't necessarily think this is going to be a game that's going to be like, oh my god, my most hyped game, I do think this game has potential to be something special again the whole purpose of the initiative i know every xbox person out there likes to walk it back and pretend like this was never supposed to be like that big a deal of a studio or they were going to be like this flexible customizable whatever they were trying to poach the best talent from sony uh by putting themselves in santa monica they were trying to be the competitor to like naughty dog or sony santa monica studios or something like that and ended up just making a fucking reboot of a game that nobody misses so i think there's a lot of potential for perfect dark to be a very cool game but they have a lot to prove in order for that to be true so i'm very eager to see perfect dark i'm not going to say i'm very excited because i think the game's gonna be awesome i'm saying i'm very curious to see what the game actually looks like to see what they're going to do with this ip because even though i i have a soft spot for perfect dark i actually really like perfect dark zero the xbox 360 launch game i know it's not really all that great but i just have a special soft spot for it so i want to see what they can do with this game i i don't know why i keep thinking it's going to be a third person action game it very well could be a first-person shooter. After all, the, the series is traditionally first-person. But for some reason, I just keep thinking it's going to be third-person. Kind of like, I don't know, I'm picturing like Splinter Cell Conviction or something like that. I don't know. But Perfect Dark going to be shown. We're going to get a gameplay demo. And we might even, and we'll get a vague release window. Again, I think this, they'll try to make this their big fall 2024 game. So this year we got Starfield. I think next year they're going to shoot for Perfect Dark. So that is my prediction for Perfect Dark. I, and, and, you know, to put a twist on it, because I don't want to just, talk about nothing i think perfect dark and, and that and, and so far like this is a big one like we got state of k3 contraband and perfect dark all going in 2024 i think that's the that's the that's the idea actually no you know what i think i take it back perfect dark is going to be the 2025 game it's going to be spring 2025 because there's a different game that's going to be their fall 2024 okay all right revision perfect dark everything i said before is still true but now it's the spring or summer 2025 game it is not a fall 2024 game so they're going to say they're going to show a gameplay look at at perfect dark and then the end of the trailer is just going to say 2025 nothing specific and then we'll see it more next year and we'll get a specific date that's what i'm thinking 
Um, and then just to kind of throw a wrench in it all and just to really spice it up, I think Joanna Darg is going to have an earpiece the whole game. And she's going to have like a, a man in the chair type figure that's going to be talking to her, walking through. Joanna, Joanna, go down the hall, go to the door to the left, use the keypad. You're going to have to watch out for lasers in the next room. Joanna, you know, like that kind of like guy talking in her ear throughout the whole game. And my guess uh, for it is that they're going to cast none other than Danny DeVito to be the guy in the chair. It'd be the guy talking to Joanna Dark the whole time. Joanna! Ah, oh, Joanna, can I offer you an egg in these trying times? He's going to try to like give you an egg, and you're going to be trying to like focus on the mission. A little busy here, Frank. I'm being shot at. He's going to be Frank from Always Sunny in Philadelphia for some reason. And it's going to be funny, uh, and, and we're all going to laugh and have a great time. And Danny DeVito is going to be talking in her ears, and he's going to be talking about hanging out under the bridge and eating fucking, um, what is it, eating the, the crabs from the pier or whatever. It's going to be great. So that's Perfect Dark. That's my prediction. 2025. But we'll get a little uh, gameplay teaser. I'm excited to see. I'm really, I'm really curious. I just want to see what the fuck that game is. All right, the next one. This is the game that's going to be dated as Fall 2024. They're not going to put a specific date on it. Maybe they do. Maybe they say November 2024. I don't know. But this is going to be dated for the latter half of 2024 without a date, without without a doubt, with with a date without a doubt. <laughs> and we're finally going to see a gameplay reveal. Obviously, this is the one that most people are excited for. It is the next big Xbox game to talk about after Starfield. This is what's up on the roster. And it is, of course, Playground Games, Fable. We already know for a fact this game is going to be there. And when I say for a fact, they, they're teasing Fable. Like literally the little trailer they released last week showed the little fairy dust all around the controller leading up to the TV. They're clearly teasing Fable. This is it. The rumors, the reports have suggested for a while that Playground Games has been pushing Microsoft off because they've been trying to show the game for a while. And and now is going to be the time they're going to say, hey, Halo's done. It, it, it flopped. Uh, Redfall's done. It flopped. Starfield's on the way out in just a few months. God hoping it doesn't flop. Uh, next up, we we need something. Fable, you are up. Let's fucking, let's fucking go. I'm so excited to see what the guys that make the best car game in the industry are able to do with this fantasy single player open world RPG because it just makes no sense that these guys are able to do this but shout out to Playground Games they're such a talented developer I really admire the hell of these folks that's right I can be nice to the to the, uh, to the Brits sometimes but yeah Playground Games such a such a talented developer such a capable developer and I believe it I believe that there is some like weird and I don't mean this in a derogatory way there is just this, this autistic energy within Playground Games I truly believe it that they can the developers there can tap into their their deeply seated European roots and pull out that charming British humor and wit that, you know, Fable is the original Fable is so beloved for and, and 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 put it into this reboot and have it have that original Fable feel and charm, but in a new and exciting and creative way. I really truly believe they're gonna be able to pull that off. And I'm excited to see an Xbox studio have one of these moments that we, you know, you occasionally see teams do where it's like, wow, I would have never expected the team behind this to be able to make this, you know, kind of like you know, like Gorilla Games went from making Killzone to making Horizon, right? So it's just one of those things. Like, I, w- I want to see the guys that make Ratchet and Clank make uh, make freaking inst- uh, the what's it called Resistance, you know? So I feel like this is gonna be one of those things. We're gonna see the guys that make Forza Horizon 
make Fable. And I think it's going to be awesome. I think this is obviously going to be the big showstopper. Obviously, there's Starfield. Starfield will be there. Starfield will get a specific release date. We know all that. But the thing is, Starfield's not exciting in the sense that, like, I wonder if they'll show Starfall, Star, Starfield gameplay, or I, I'm excited to see if Starfield's going to have a date. It's like, we, we know those things. So we're not, we're excited to learn what that date is. We're excited to see what that gameplay looks like, but we're not excited to see if it's going to have gameplay or if it's going to have a date because that's a given. So. Fable is exciting because this is the first time we're going to see the game running. This is the first time we're going to have them try to give us an idea of when we might play the game. And for that, oh, man, Fable, so exciting, so exciting, so exciting. Um, yeah, I just think that's going to be obviously the, 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 the show stealer, the stealing of the show. So this next one I am not so confident about, actually. This one is going to be in the category of 50-50. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. If it weren't for the fact that there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out in a couple of weeks, I would say this actually is not going to be at the show. But because there's this new Indiana Jones movie coming out and there is an opportunity for some cross-promotional, cross synergistic kind of marketing here, I feel like we might get some look at this Indiana Jones game that Machine Games is working on. It might be revealed in some capacity in order to capitalize on the new movie to hype it up. This could be the game that we don't get gameplay of, but we get in-engine footage that I was talking about at the top of the show. Uh, I could see that being the case. So my guess, this Machine Guns Indiana Jones will be shown off, and it will be titled the way in the same structure in which the, uh, the movies are titled. So it'll be called Indiana Jones and the Blank of Blanks. So it'll be called, I don't know, the new movie's called Dial of Destiny, which I think is just such a stupid name, but I'm excited to see the movie as a side note. Um, but I mean, I don't know. With with a name that silly, I feel like the, the sky is the limit. You, Indiana Jones in the in the Viagra in the Viagra pill of Adolf Hitler. Like I don't know the, the Viagra case of Adolf Hitler. Uh, I I just I want to see it. I want to I, I want to. I'm so curious about what Machine Games is going to do. We know obviously there's such a great fit for making games about fighting Nazis, but. They make such over-the-top, bloody, gory, action, first-person shooter, satisfying, violent games. Indiana Jones is not that. Indiana Jones is going to be third-person. A little bit of platforming and scaling and maybe a little bit of light gunplay with a pistol or something. But melee combat and a whip and some swinging and stuff like that. It's, it's violent, but not like Johnny, cover your eyes, you're only 13 violent. You know, so... I don't know. It's it's going to be in some ways it's a perfect fit for them, but in some ways it's like can they really do a more subdued, toned down game about fighting Nazis and I'm excited to see what Machine Games is so for some reason I'm a little more dubious of Machine Games going from a World War II game about fighting Nazis to an Indiana Jones game about fighting Nazis. I'm a little more apprehensive about their ability to do that than I am about a racing studio's ability to make a fantasy open world RPG, whimsical RPG. Um, so I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me that I feel that way, but I feel like there's a chance we see Indiana Jones. It's kind of a 50, 50 again, but it's just with the new movie coming out. It's like, I don't know. There's an opportunity here. So why not? Let's see you Indy. Let's do it. Show us the, the destiny of your armpits or whatever the fuck it's going to be called. Next up. I, th I think also in that 50, 50 category, speaking of like machine games, these Bethesda studios, id software we finally get is id software going to do something doom 2016 came out obviously in 2016 and then doom eternal came out in 2020 that was 
three years late. That was four years later. Um, so, you know, by that same logic, 2020 was three years ago. So they should be able to reveal the next thing they're working on, whether it comes out, you know, in 2024, 2025. I feel like they should be ready to at least announce what it is they're working on. And this could be one of those in-engine trailers. You know, maybe we don't get gameplay reveal, but the rumor is they're working on some kind of like Quake or, or something like that. And it'd be cool to get a reveal for it this time. So I don't know. Maybe there's a 50-50 chance, but maybe we see id Software at this show. All right. This is another one that I'm going to put in the in the uh, it could happen category, but not a guarantee. The next one's a guarantee, but this one I'm about to go through, it's it's it could happen, but it's not a guarantee, which is that someone, probably Phil Spencer, maybe it's Matt Booty, maybe it's Sarah Bond, but probably Phil Spencer, is going to have this really weird, because I'm assuming, obviously, the event is going to be pre-recorded and all that. I'd, I'd rather it be in person, but, you know, like in front of a live audience, but I think it's going to be pre-recorded, but it'd be... I just feel like there's going to be this really weird, maybe it's at the beginning or the middle or the end. I don't know where they could fit it. I feel like it might be like a towards the end, but not the end thing where Phil Spencer is going to have some really weird chopped in apology or something where they don't necessarily say, Hey, we're sorry about Halo and Redfall and just how things have been lately. But they, they kind of beat around it by saying like, Hey, we just want to instill confidence we want to reinforce our vision for the gamer you know for the player this is where we see our brand this is what our intentions are we never mean for something to happen last few years have been turbulent and things have happened that were out of our control but we want to instill a sense of confidence in our gamers that we're going to make the best games the most groundbreaking games the highest quality games and that going forward we're dedicated to making xbox the best place to play games period you know i feel like there could be some kind of weird shoehorned awkward not fully addressing the elephant in the room but kind of apologizing for the shit that's been going on lately kind of message snuck in somewhere here so maybe towards the end a little bit but yeah that could be that could be one of them and i'm gonna put that in the it could happen category but next up i think is a guaranteed oh this is happening just like uh just like was the case with perfect dark and state of decay and contraband and that is Hellblade 2 is going to get a full, proper, extended gameplay, in-depth look and a specific release date to boot. So we're not getting a vague date. We're getting a very specific release date sometime next year, probably spring or summer 2024, and a very extensive release uh, uh, gameplay look. Actually, maybe a little later in 2024. I don't know. But Hellblade 2... Remember, this is the game they used to announce the Xbox Series X back in 2019. The announcement of this game, has it's almost been four years since it. So, if Hellblade 2 is not at this showcase with gameplay, I will eat, I will eat two scoops of my cat's litter. Dirty litter. I swear to God. Hellblade 2 will be there. We will get gameplay and we will get a release date. Whether they delay that release date because everything gets delayed these days, I don't know. But we'll see Hellblade 2. It's been way too damn long. I think of all the games Xbox has announced currently, this is the one that's the most inexcusable, the most where the fuck is it. So Hellblade 2. And now you start to think about it. It's like, well, you could really imagine a world where Hellblade 2, Fable, uh, Contraband, State of Decay 3... Like all coming out next year, like we're starting to have a pretty a pretty crowded 2024 already. So this is good. Um, my next 
My next prediction is about the Xbox Series X version X. This is the uh, Xbox One X, the mid-console generation refresh with a slightly upgraded version. Um, although I think we will get one of these probably the next year or so, I do not think it will be shown at this event. Uh, strong rumors suggested that PlayStation was going to show it at their event, their version of it, their PlayStation 5 Pro or whatever it would be called, and then they didn't show it. I think Xbox is going to do the same thing, and they're not going to show it because... I, I really think it's just the economy is getting into a really shitty state right now. Not a great time to release new hardware. The first two years of the Xbox Series X and S was just the story of I can't find it. It's not in stores. It's sold out, sold out. We're just now getting to a comfortable place where people can find these consoles and buy these consoles. So it's kind of a slap across the face of these players of like, what the fuck? I finally got a Series X and you're already releasing a more powerful one. And then on top of that, I, I don't think Xbox, and this is the biggest one for me, because I could still see Xbox revealing the console despite all those other factors, but here's the one that gets me is, I don't think Xbox has done enough this console generation so far when it comes to first-party output to justify putting out a new console. Halo Infinite, you fucked it up. Redfall, you fucked it up. A couple small games here like Grounded and Pentiment. I mean, they just, they, Forza Horizon 5 is probably the best thing they put out, you know? It's like they've really, they've really botched this generation so far. It's so much potential, and they just haven't been able to really capture it yet and convert it into excellent games for people to play. So, my guess is that they just can't justify it yet. But if they are going to, if they are going to show it, it will be shown alongside Starfield. That is my prediction. If they do show it, but I think they won't show it. My next prediction, and there's a couple of these that are just off-the-rails predictions, and I'm just going to go ahead and throw it in there. This is an off-the-rails prediction, and it is that Connect 3 will be announced, and Xbox is reintroducing slash bringing back the Snap feature that is it. We will have a Connect 3. You can connect it to your Xbox Series X, and you can go Xbox Snap, and it's going to go boop, and you're going to have Hulu playing on one-third of your screen in the corner, and you're going to have Call of Duty on the other three-quarters of your screen or, or two-thirds of your screen or whatever, and uh, you're going to be gaming and watching at the same damn time. You can watch MLB on one side of the screen while playing fucking Gears of War tactics on the other side, and your mom's going to walk in the screen saying, son, that's too many games playing at the same time. You're doing too many things, and you're going to say, mom, I'm Gen Z. This is the only way to keep my fucking brain stimulated. I have to have an iPad, an iPhone, and a snapped Xbox in order to be stimulated at any given time. It's no wonder I can't pay attention to math class, and then she's going to walk out of the room crying, wishing that you were born 20 years sooner because then maybe you'd amount to something, and that is what I think is going to happen. They're going to get Connect 3, Connectimals is coming back, baby. Where's Milo? Invite that little fucking sick-looking bastard into the show. I'm ready for it. I miss the weird Xbox that did weird experimental shit, and I welcome him back with open arms. I think those Xbox players that don't like this are not real Xbox fans. In fact, I don't even think they're real people. I think if you peel their skin off, you will see it's just a bunch of maggots stacked on top of each other in the form of a human being. So, Connect 3, let's bring it on, and that is my first outlandish prediction of the showcase. Uh, my set, my next prediction. So if that prediction was like, oh Jesse, you're just being silly. There's no chance in hell. Stop being, st stop being cute. If that was what that prediction is, this next prediction is just absolutely, without a doubt, guaranteed to happen. It is so mild. It is so unassuming. It is so boring. It is so insanely guaranteed that if again, if this doesn't happen. I will eat my cat's litter and then throw it up and then eat it again because this is absolutely going to happen. And this prediction is that we will get a deluge 
of updates to games that have been out for many, many years that nobody wants to hear about, that nobody is hyped about, that is just an absolute waste of our time. I'm talking about Season 12 of Sea of Thieves, Elder Scrolls Online, Elder Ring, Fallout 76, Vault 74, uh, Flight Simulator, Top Gun Maverick, Ultimate Edition, Reskin Edition, Godzilla included, um, Grounded, not uh, Grounded for Two Months, Update Edition with Arachnophobic Intestinal Testicular Fortitude Edition, and etc. etc. You know, so I, I feel like this is an absolute given. We're gonna get all these updates, hey, and that and that's no slight to these games. You know, in fact, Halo Halo Infinite Season Four even kind of falls under this update list as well a little bit where it's like listen I, I like Sea of Thieves I like Fallout 76 I've always wanted to try Flight Sim but I've never gotten around to it I like Grounded no disrespect to these games but when we're at an event like this when we're watching a showcase like this we want to see the new baby we don't I don't give a shit that you can make bases in Fallout 76 I don't give a shit how many robots you can deactivate and then reprogram to be your sex slaves. I don't care about any of that shit. I want fucking new games with with really high-definition cheeseburgers that are so detailed that they make me want to run out to the store and make my own cheeseburgers. I don't want to see an update for a game I've already put 150 hours in. So that is a prediction. You can take that to the bank. I ain't eating no kitty puke throw-up litter for making that prediction because... There's no chance in hell that's not going to happen. It's just, just going to happen. So, All right. My next prediction is one that I'm not as confident about. I'm about 85% confident on this one, so pretty confident. But, um, oh, man, I don't I don't want it. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope, I hope by uh, against all odds this doesn't happen. But this prediction is that we will be forced to endear another Vin Diesel cinematic trailer for ARC 2. And I don't want to sit on this and dwell on it because it makes me sick just thinking about it. But for love of God, please don't show us another Vin Diesel Arc 2 trailer. I think it might happen. All right. Speaking of things I would like to see, I think we should carry on with the tradition of E3 whenever a new Forza Motorsport is announced. And they should bring a car on stage. I think they should have, whether it's a video or whatever the case may be, they should have a segment where... Someone prominent at Xbox is standing next to the car that is on the cover of the new Forza Motorsport game. So we know Forza is coming out this fall. One of the big fall releases for Xbox. Let's see a fucking car on stage. Make it like the old days again. They don't make them like they used to anymore. Buy American only. You know what I'm saying? I, th- I think we need to see the Forza car on stage again. It will make it feel like good old times. Uh, so that's my prediction for Forza. Next up, I-, I love how Forza is actually coming out this year. And my only prediction is that they will put a car on stage. Um, Starfield. Let's talk about Starfield. Obviously, Starfield is the biggest game that will be at the showcase that is coming this year. So no doubt it will be a game that everyone's very much looking forward to. I just, you know, I don't focus on it too much because, again, it's like we know Starfield's coming out in a couple months. We know Starfield is a game this year. We've already seen Starfield gameplay. We're already hyped and excited about it. We don't need to really necessarily see any more to know we want to play it. Etc. Etc. In fact, I've actually become more and more excited for Starfield as time has gone on. I'm I'm pretty optimistic about the game, but again, it's like Starfield isn't a game where it's like, oh, I wonder what Starfield looks like. Fable is a game where I wonder what Fable looks like. I've seen Starfield, haven't seen Fable, so I didn't I didn't put a whole lot of predictions in here for Starfield. But the one I did put is that Starfield will disappoint fans by being 60 frames per second only on PC. It will be 45 FPS on Xbox Series X 
and 30 FPS on Xbox Series S. Now, one little disclaimer, contingency, whatever. If they do announce an Xbox Series X version X mid-generation upgrade console, then that box will be able to run Starfield at 60 FPS. But the Series X will not be able to. That's my prediction. It's going to break hearts. It is what it is. But yeah, Phil Spencer promised we would find out about that at this showcase. And so we're about to find out. I'm either right or I'm wrong, but God, I hope I'm wrong. So that's my prediction for Starfield. Uh, I think we're all expecting to come out in early September, the September 6th uh, date. So, you know, it's been confirmed for uh, September 6th. So anyway, I think it'll make the date. I don't think it'll get delayed. So now uh, my next prediction is there's not much to say about it. I said there will be no updates whatsoever on Outer Worlds 2. And to that, I say... Yeah, I think we're going to be, I think that's absolutely right. Now, my next uh, update, and I should have put this earlier with the other games, but I'm going to put it here. Avowed. Avowed will be shown. We will get a gameplay reveal, and it will be a 2024, maybe 2025 game. I don't know that they'll put a date on it, but I do think we will see the game in action. And again, let me just reiterate now that we have Avowed. I don't have anything really special to say about Avowed. I think there's a decent chance again that they get Danny DeVito to do the voice acting for someone in the game again it's just we haven't seen gameplay so I don't know who would voice it but Avowed Hellblade 2 Fable Perfect Dark Contraband State of Decay 3 those are six games that I could see coming out in 2024 some of which I could see coming out in 2025 but that's a lot of games already so Xbox is starting to look little stacked for the next couple of years. Again, it's like, I know it's been, last year was abysmal. This year is a lot more games, but a little hit or miss on the quality. Next year, we have potential to start really popping off with these games. So Xbox, I'm expecting to see at the very least release windows, even if not specific dates, release windows on these games. So there's avowed. We will see avowed. We will not see Outer Worlds 2. Next up, Stalker 2. We will get another trailer. But this will not be like any other trailer we've seen for the game. It's not simply going to be a trailer showing gameplay. It will rather be a trailer that reveals the date for the game now. However, the trailer will focus on what the experience has been like the past few years for developers living and working in the Ukraine amidst this war with Russia. And what like a it'll be like a heart tugging like you know, tearjerker kind of trailer. Just talking about like how how you know rough it's been getting through this game and how it's a huge passion to make this game happen and there's a lot of ambition and desire to see it through to the end and it's a lot of thing that's keeping people going right now during a tumultuous time for the people of Ukraine and that will be the trailer it will it will have a release date it will show some gameplay and it'll be interspersed with like little uh, interview quotes and questions and, and and lines from various developers working on the game at in the Ukraine so. That is my guess for Stalker 2. It'll be a little bit emotional. It'll be a little sad. And uh, and then we'll get some kind of date for Stalker 2. So uh, that is, you know, not to take something so freaking devastating and sad as, as death and war and, and try to, you know, capitalize off of it. But I feel like that is what they will do with Stalker 2. I don't know why I have that inclination. Uh, my, next, uh, my, my next one here, and this goes into the... Um, absolutely this will happen category of course which is that xbox will announce a brand new 
Phil Spencer bobblehead available exclusively on the Xbox Store um, for people who have a hundred thousand gamer score or more. You cannot purchase this. You're ineligible if you don't have at least a hundred thousand gamer score. So you better start grinding because this Phil Spencer bobblehead won't be in stock forever. So that's my next prediction. After that, I said Everwild will still be notably missing in action. We will not see a trailer. We will not get an update. We will not see gameplay. We will get nothing for Everwild. The only update you're going to see from Rare is going to be Sea of Thieves version, season of the season of the of the ship steer, update 75. That's all we're going to see. But Everwild, MIA. I think they went back to the drawing board. That game is basically restarting. They are a ways off from showing Everwild. That's my guess. Next up, I think for Game Pass, we are going to see a family plan announced for more of the major Xbox markets like the U.S. Uh, we know it's been in various text, test markets in certain parts of the world. I think if we get an update on Game Pass, they will talk about a family plan option rolling out this fall. It's a good way to kind of get people in with, with, you know, Starfield's already going to entice a lot of people. And then the family plan is going to make it so stupid for you not to join. I think this is the time to kind of roll out that feature. So if we get any update on game pass, it will be that the family plan is coming to some more major markets, including the U S and then I have two more predictions. I guess the next one's kind of about Starfield. Although I said I was done with Starfield, but let's get into it. I said, the Starfield controller and video game headset that have been leaking like crazy lately. Uh, you may have already seen photos of them. They've been all over the internet. But the headset and controller will be canceled. Microsoft will come out and outright cancel the controller and the headset, despite the fact that they've already manufactured them. Um, in an attempt to kind of like align their identity and their brand with like Nintendo... Um, you'll remember Nintendo canceled that Super Smash Brothers campaign for the Nintendo Wii U back in the day because a bunch of fans leaked the game's campaign cutscenes online. And to punish fans, Nintendo, you know, that's what they say at least, is to punish fans, Nintendo canceled the campaign for that Smash Bros game. I think Microsoft will follow suit and do something similar and say, you think you could just, you can just leak our Xbox controllers? Well, we'll show you and they'll just cancel the controller altogether. No one gets it, no one wins, no one's happy, end of story, and that's what's going to happen there. All right, and my last prediction, and this one is going to be, this is going to be a big one, my last prediction. This is my pie in the sky out there, I don't think it's actually happening, but a, a guy can wish kind of kind of uh, prediction, which is that in Exile, who we know are working on a first-person, open-world RPG type game, will announce that they are working on a from-the-ground-up remake, complete top-to-bottom remake of either Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas in Exile. Come on. Former guys of Interplay, they created uh, Fallout, and then, you know, a little bit of the Obsidian guys got to work on it, Bethesda got to work on it, all these other hands, and now the original guys are going to get to go back and have their hands on Fallout, and they're going to do a New Vegas remake. That is my guess. I know people would love to see that happen. As Cronky notes, Todd Howard has said in the past, we don't really do remakes. That's fine. You don't need to do remakes. In Exile can do them. That's the beauty of them having uh, access to, you know, Xbox owning all of the different parties is they can let whoever do whatever. So I know they like to let uh, Bethesda kind of operate independent of Xbox Game Studios, and that's why this is a really silly idea. But I'm still going to go out on a limb here and say, 
In Exile is working on a Fallout remake, probably of 3 or New Vegas. Let's fucking go. If they can re-release Skyrim a million times, why not Fallout, right? So, yeah, and I and I didn't mention... There's a couple things I didn't mention. I didn't mention... Um, I did not mention Compulsion Games. We know they have a game in development. Um, Jez Corn over at Windows Central has has given insider information about some of the details of that game. It's possible we see that game at this showcase. I don't know why I didn't include them. And then also I didn't include like Double Fine. Um, but again, it's like, I, I don't know, maybe we'll see them. I just, uh, I, I guess it didn't come to mind to put either of those down. But it is worth noting that both of those teams were probably pretty close to the point where we're going to have to hear what, what they're working on next. So keep that in mind. But those are my predictions for the Xbox Showcase. You guys, let me know what you think. Sound off, comment back. Good predictions, bad predictions I had. Things you agree, disagree with, let me know. And then uh, we got your predictions. So let's go through them, guys. We got, I think about six, seven of you wrote in with your predictions. So let's just read them off and we can kind of compare what I had with what you had. I'm sure some of you guys wrote in some pretty interesting ideas. So Mike Clark wrote in and says, awesome show, Jesse. Predict your show won't stay small for long. My predictions go like this. Few third-party and indie games, avowed gameplay, Fable gameplay, Forza release date, Hellblade 2 release date, Gears Collection announced, Wishlist, Vanquish 2, Mech Warrior, and have a great week. Eat your meat. Carbs are the are, carbs are evil. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these are safe bets. I also didn't mention the Gears Collection. I know a lot of people, uh, the rumor is there's a Gears of War kind of collection akin to like a Master Chief collection for Gears of War, the Marcus Phoenix collection, so to speak. Um yeah, I didn't mention that one. I, I kind of hope that's true as well. I would love to be able to go back, especially play like Gears 2 and 3 um, remade. Uh, I think that could be a pretty go- a cool way to kind of tide people over while we wait for Gears 6, since that's probably going to be a ways out, since the Coalition basically is just now starting on that. So that's a good prediction, and I think it would be a, a, a nice thing for the fans just so that we got some Gears in our corner while we wait for more. So Vanquish 2, that'd be cool. Mech Warrior. Oh, Vanquish 2 would be good. Uh, thank you for writing in, Mike. Here's hoping that you have the magic ability ability to will all these into existence because I'd love to see a Gears of War collection. All right, Jonathan writes in and says, I predict Phil Spencer wears black leather a black leather jacket and T-shirt depicting him doing a fatality on Jim Ryan. <laughs> he announces the exclusivity rights to GTA 6 Armored Core 6 and announces the acquisition of Koei Tecmo. And finally, a quality Dead or Alive and Ninja Gaiden uh, game again. Then Doug Bowser of Nintendo joins the stage and they announce a merge of Nintendo and Xbox. And they played Tears of the Kingdom on Xbox at 4K 120. Uh, and it is amazing. Then Doug Bowser leaves and a man in a space jumps on stage. It's Todd. Filled together uh, with go- with with Todd Howard smoke a joint, <laughs> God Howard smoke a joint on stage while playing some Starfield at 120 FPS 4K on console, having a good time and laughing at the media's expense. Then <laughs> they show ray tracing Minecraft and it's downloadable right now. And they say finally, oh yeah, I forgot it wasn't that like canceled. Then then they show things we already know about Senua Saga or Senua or Hellblade Two, Avowed. Some Forza, some other already announced stuff, Gears Collection, the current stuff coalition, other Xbox teams are working on, Age of Empires, Indies, some finally a brawler uh, and with an Xbox character like Smash Bros. game. And just when it all looks like it's over, they reveal a big surprise but cannot go spoiling what that is. Well, now you left us on a cliffhanger. What are you, Spider-Man? Um, but anyway, good stuff. Thank you for writing in. Um, 
I love the idea of an Xbox Smash Brothers game, but I don't think Xbox has a vast enough and good enough stable of characters to pull that off. But I do love the idea of it. Um, but I more more so, I just love the idea of first of all, Koei Tecmo, such a, a weird acquisition for them to do. But um, I love the idea of Phil Spencer and Doug Bowser and or, or Todd Howard rather just smoking a joint on stage while someone like half-ass plays Starfield in the background. But like the camera's really focused on these two, just laughing uncontrollably, smoking a joint. And Phil Spencer and Todd Howard keep breaking the the rule of TV where they're supposed to be interacting with each other, but they keep staring at the camera instead and they keep pointing and going, ha ha ha, this is so funny. We're getting high and it's great. And IGN puts it up and I love it. It's just so good. So Todd Howard, Phil Spencer, smoking a joint, buying Koei Tecmo. I'm ready for it. Let's fucking go. I'm ready for Jonathan's E3. Uh, I keep wanting to call it E3, but you know what I mean. BP Fatio writes in and says, going out on a limb and predicting slash hoping for a Splinter Cell collection. This is a great one. I would love a Splinter Cell collection. I, I know everyone wants a Splinter Cell remake um, that is coming slash canceled slash not coming slash coming. But you got to keep in mind, um, Ubisoft's forward event is the day after this showcase. So, um, huh, shit. I might, ooh, maybe what we should do is wait till the Ubisoft forward event and then do the show. Like, record the show on Monday and have it go live Tuesday. I think that's what we'll probably do, actually. Yeah. I gotta think about that. I guess I'll, I guess I'll figure that out on my own. <laughs> but yeah, the split, the Ubisoft forward event is the day after the Xbox event on Monday. So I think if there's gonna be a Splinter Cell announcement, we'll probably see it at that Ubisoft event. Although, here is hoping that would be cool. Cronky writes in and says, couple of predictions for the show. One, Xbox acquires NetherRealm from WB and Jesse starts loving Mortal Kombat all of a sudden. Two, no Fable, no Outer Worlds, no Perfect Dark. You're going to get livid over this, but the rest of us will conclude that they showed enough cool stuff and then we're content. Three, We Happy 2 will be shown and it will be awesome. Four, Aura and Age of Empires 4 will will get uh, release dates on Xbox. And five, Hellblade 2 finally. Cronky, uh, I absolutely hate your predictions list. I hate it so much. Um, I hope Xbox goes out of business before they can do whatever showcase you just described. I hate it, and you made me mad, so bye. Dead Captain James writes in and says, I'm so ready for D4, as the kids say. Let's go. Diablo 4. I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> Diablo 4. Uh, for the Xbox showcase, the only game from them I'm excited for is Fable now. We need to see gameplay. I agree. I think we'll see it. Dead Captain James, I'm excited that you're excited for Destiny 4. But yeah, let's fucking go. Fable. Last prediction comes from Sam Torres, who writes in and says, As a veteran of the second, third, and fourth console wars, <laughs> I'm mourning like I'm <laughs> and mourning the Dreamcast like a missing limb. I have to say, Sony love their obsession with Square's Final Fantasy main series side side sickens me lot. Let me try again. Sony's love and obsession with Square's Final Fantasy main series sickens me a lot. Don't fuck with us determined, uninhibited Xbox goons, Square. My money is green, too. Good podcast. $4.39 for a tasty green burrito with steak and potatoes. Uh, also, my predictions, fuck you, wish list, is X-Men Legends 3, fuck yeah, Activision, you pigs, do everyone a favor and branch back out. More variety means less discrimination. Skylanders Infinity Crossover. Toys to Life needs to come back. Rub the lamp. Get three wishes. Fable retains farting. Okay. 
Uh, you might get the last part, but yeah, dude. Skylanders and Disney Infinity have a crossover. Let's make it fucking happen. Uh, that's what would happen if... Well, no, that's not WB. That's Disney. I don't know. But, dude, X-Men Legends 3... Dude, thank you. I love uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Those games are fun, and I, I get why people love them, and I, li- I like them too. But, man, I always had, like, back in the day of, like, Spider-Man Friend or Foe, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, all these games. X-Men Legends, for some reason, X-Men Legends was the one that really did it for me. And I'm right there with you, man. I, oh, if they could do, honestly, that's something Nintendo should do. They did Ultimate Alliance 3. They should do the same thing and try to get a Mar, uh, an X-Men Legends game going because I would love to play X-Men Legends again. Such a fucking, oh, such a good game. Please make an X-Men Legends 3. Dude, that, honest to God, though, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> I was about to say, since Sony has uh, Spider-Man as an exclusive, Marvel needs to figure out if they can, or uh, Xbox needs to figure out if they can get with Marvel and get, like, an exclusive Xbox, uh, X-Men game, and then I realized, oh, wait, <laughs> Sony is already getting a Marvel, uh, a Wolverine game. I can't speak. So, damn, that sucks, because that would be so good. That would be so, 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 so good. X-Men, Xbox, Spider-Man, Sony, so it just makes sense, dude. The S's with the S's, the X's with the X's. I'm I'm all about it. I want X Men Legends three. Thank you, Sam Fry, and thank you all for writing in with your predictions. You guys, that's it for our predictions uh, for for the Xbox Showcase. In just a few short days, the actual event will take place, and then we can see who was right, who was wrong, and who was just uh who was just flying too close to the sun. You know. Let's uh let's wrap up the podcast with some important enough news stories important enough to make the podcast but not important enough to warrant their own discussions and then we'll uh, get out of here with some closing comments from the audience. What do you say? So real quick, ranting them off, rattling them off, whatever you want to say. Western Digital has officially released their Xbox Series S and X expansion cards, so that Seagate is not the only option on the on the uh, market. 50 gig version is available for 80 bucks. A terabyte card is available for 150, and also comes with a one mask a month of Game Pass Ultimate. And uh, also important to note, Western Digital also just released some new solid-state drives for PS5, and they're not much different price-wise, so uh, interesting to see that. Uh, next up, Capcom announced that they will be hosting a Capcom Showcase next week on Monday, the t- June 12th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, so, you know, take that Ubisoft forward. Uh, next up, Civilization Studio Firaxis and Witcher Maker CD Projekt Red have both confirmed a round of layoffs. 2K Studios for Access reported a layoff of about 30 developers on Tuesday, um, while similar numbers of employees have been cut by CD Projekt Red as it winds down support of Gwent, the Witcher card game. That sucks. In February, uh, 2K and Rockstar owner Take-Two said that they were planning some layoffs as part of a $50 million cost reduction program. So... Next up, the upcoming Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater remake will reuse voice lines from the original game. Konami said that they will star the original voice characters, rich storytelling, expansive features, combat, and survival in harsh environments involved with unprecedented graphics and immersive sound. So, not a really good sign. I feel like if you're doing a ground-up remake, you probably want to redo the whole thing, but weird corner-cutting kind of measure it seems like there. Next up, Sonic the Hedgehog co-creator Yuji Naka has officially been sentenced to uh, two and a half years of prison and a fine of over $1.2 million for his insider training scheme at Square Enix that he got caught for recently. So, yeah. Final decisions expected to be made on July 7th. 
He was charged with violating the Japanese Financial Instruments and Exchange Act by illegally buying in shares based on insider info. Next up, the Crew Motor Fest gameplay video is showing off. Leaked footage of the game is uh, appearing online. A 25-minute video published on YouTube has already been removed and copywritten by Ubisoft, but the game is clearly real and clearly happening. We will probably see it released, or, or not released, but announced at the Ubisoft Forward event on June 12th. And next up, Microsoft announces that Starfield's Xbox wireless controller and headset will be probably an, will be announced during the uh, data miner and leaker Billy Billy Bill Cun, Billy Bill Cun has um, said that the Starfield Xbox controller and headset will be made available immediately after the showcase when they're revealed on June 11th. After many many leaks and rumors, the controller is going to cost 80 bucks US. Like I said. They will cancel it. And then finally, Payday 3 is seemingly targeting a September release. According to reliable leaker Aggiornamenti Lumia, the data miner who regularly reports on listings on Xbox and Windows stores before they're made public, Payday 3 is set to release on September 21st, 2023, he tweeted on Tuesday. So possibly that will be confirmed at one of these events, maybe Summer Game Fest or something like that. So look out for that. All right, finally, guys, that's going to bring us to the end of the podcast this week where we go to the customer, customer, listener questions, comments, shout outs, things of that nature. We've got a whole lot of them, so we're going to rattle through some of these real quick lightning round because I am running out of uh, my, my voice is giving out, just talking too much. So <laughs> let's get into this directly. We got 13 write ins, starting with Mr. Mao. Let's fucking go. He says, Ratchet and Clank coming out on PC is on my birthday is tempting but playstation first party ports on pc haven't really been well optimized so i'm hesitant i think something of um i think that's something xbox doesn't get enough credit for their pc ports have really really been well optimized yeah usually but um playstation's kind of hit or miss depending on who's doing it and this one's being done by uh not blue point but uh i forget what they're called but that team that's Sony literally acquired just for ports, and apparently they're pretty good. So, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't buy it until it's been out for a little minute and you see kind of uh, how people are responding to it, but I assume it will be pretty okay. I don't think it's going to be disastrous like Last of Us or anything, but it's, of course, they've given you good reason to be hesitant. OG Man writes in and says, Jesse, I just bought SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom for 10 bucks on sale. Hell yeah. Well, hell yeah, OG Man. Mavsman, long time no see, writes in and says, Jesse, I come to you in my darkest hour. I may not be commenting as much as I used to. I lurk in the shadows waiting for my triumphant return. Sadly, this will not be it. I come to you broken and ashamed, about to utter words I never thought I'd bring to myself to say, but here we are. As any OG Xbox On fan would know, me and you share a great fondness of Taco Bell and Mountain Dew. With great regret, I must swear off both my daily trips to Taco Bell for chicken. Yes, chicken. Any civilized person knows sub-chicken for beef any day, every day. Amen, brother. Crunchwrap Supremes and God's nectar that Baja Blast must come to an end. Doctor's orders. My cholesterol, sodium, and my pre-diabetic numbers do not agree. I know there's always zero sugar options, but who are we kidding? It's not the same. Wish you were closer so I could bestow my fridge full of... All the wonders of Waha, uh, Whiteout, Voodoo 2023, Voltage Baja Blast, Baja Mango, Code Red, Summer Bomb Pops, Spark, and OG Mountain Dew. Sadly, I'll donate to some unfortunate child on the road to diabetes himself. Mavs, man, thank you for writing in. It's always good to hear from you, man. And you know what? I try to be, you know, try to be uplifting about it. Here's the thing is, I, I've been going through, I, I got insurance. I have a job. I'm, I, I got insurance. I'm trying to make use of it. Uh, you know, now that I'm like 
paying for insurance. I'm not a child anymore milking off mommy and daddy's insurance plan anymore. I'm trying to like be good about like I'm an adult. I need to take care of my body. I'm paying for this insurance. I need to use it. So I'm trying to like be good. So like the past couple months, God, fuck Florida, dude. The medical system here is so fucking broken in, in particular, more so than anywhere else in the country. But side note, it's just going to the doctors here. It's like, oh my God, every, every oh, doctor's appointments. Like you got to wait a month and a half just to do anything here. But nonetheless, I've been going to dentist, doctor, eye doctor appointments like crazy the past couple months, just trying to get routine checkups, look at this, look at that, learn about this, get some mileage out of my insurance, the whole nine. And I, I gotta be honest, man, the way I'm trying to like spin this, now that I'm getting older, I'm getting to that point where it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you can just go to the doctor if you're if you're blessed and fortunate and privileged enough to be like I was as a child and just be one of those kids. It's like, I can treat my body like shit, go to the doctor, they'll tell me I'm perfectly healthy, then keep going on playing around in the backyard, whatever. I'm getting to that age now where it's like, you got to give a shit about your body because when you go to the doctor, they're not going to just pat you on the back and say, well, Johnny, you're in good health. Keep up the good work. They're going to be like, hey, man, why are you sitting on your ass 20 hours a day eating McDonald's, never working out? You got to do something. And so I'm trying to be optimistic about it and be like, how blessed are we, you know, to be able to have, to be alive during a time where we have access readily available, all this information just easy right there to tell us like, hey, man, this is this is stuff you shouldn't be doing your body. This is why this is bad for your body. Here's what you can do to be better. Obviously, take some personal discipline, some lifestyle changes, some, you know, it's some hard work to make the necessary adjustments. But it's a it's it's truly a blessing and a privilege to be able to live in a world where you can just go to your doctor. Your doctor can identify exactly the things that are presenting you preventing you from being optimally healthy and you can work on targeting those direct things to better yourself. It sucks because, I'm, dude, I'm with you, man. Like the Taco Bell, the, the Mountain Dew, it's an identity thing. You know, it's like it's like part of your brand. It's like if I don't have Mountain Dew, if I don't have Taco Bell, it's not just like I'll miss the taste of those products. It's like who am I as a person? People will start to question me. I'll be less cool. People won't really let me sit with them at lunch anymore. It's like that kind of thing where it's like your brand starts to die out. But all joking aside and just trying to be serious, it's like – I don't know, it's 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 pretty awesome that we don't live in like the fucking medieval times where it's like, oh no, I'm getting fat and I feel tired every day. What's going on with me? And they're like, well, you got a lot of evil energy. What we need to do is drill a hole in your arm and, and, and let blood pour out until the fat evilness goes away and then you'll be healthy again. You know, it's like we can go to a doctor and they're like, um, stop eating chalupas and Taco Bell and, 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 and you should actually get in better shape from that. Um so it sucks. Yeah, it does suck. You have to make a lifestyle change. I understand. I've been trying to work on that stuff the past few years. I eat way less Taco Bell now than I used to. I used to, I swear to God, I used to eat like Taco Bell or McDonald's or something at least once a week. And nowadays it's like a fucking once in a lifetime treat for me. It's like maybe once a month, once every other month kind of thing. I I barely ever eat Taco Bell anymore. And it's, it's hard. But I want to let you know, Mavs, man, this is not bad news. This is not a regretful day. This is, this is a great day because this is an opportunity for you to take care of yourself. Just like it's an opportunity for me to take care of myself. Just like it's an opportunity for all of us to say, Hey, I have access to the information and the tools and the, and everything I need to take care of myself. And we're going to be optimistic about it. We're going to be grateful that we live in a time where it's easy for us to isolate and identify problems so that we can make progress and make changes that are necessary for a healthier, happier lifestyle. And that's all there is to it. Never mind the fact that 
Mountain Dew is just a really cool brand. Maybe the can just looks cool, and sometimes you don't drink it because you want to drink it. You just like the way it smells or something like that. But unfortunately, we do have to take care of ourselves and uh, and watch what we eat. And fortunately, we uh, we have the means and the uh, the resources to to tackle these things and do just that. So I'm I'm, hap- I'm happy for you, Mavs man. I'm happy that you had the opportunity to take on this uh, this challenge to say no to the do and to not ring the bell and to take care of yourself because um i'm struggling with it too man to be honest i'm trying to lose weight trying to keep my blood my thing is sodium and blood pressure my fucking blood pressure is through the roof it's just my doctor's like i think it's stress i'm like she's like are you stressed i'm like i don't know i'm just everything's always wrong right I, like, everything's stressful isn't that how everyone feels and I swear, dude, I went to my fucking eye doctor the other day to get a, a, a new prescription of contacts. I literally just wanted them to give me more contacts lenses. And the motherfucking eye doctor took my blood pressure and told me my blood pressure was high. I was like, you're supposed to fucking look at my eyes. What are you doing t- taking my blood pressure? It's, it's insane, dude, everywhere you go. And God bless the state of Florida. I swear the fuck, all these medical professionals are bought out by some fucking pharmaceutical or, or just snake oil salesman like everyone's like do you have sleep apnea do you want to buy a sleep apnea machine i'm like dude i'm fucking 28 years old leave me the hell alone i'm not i'm not snoring with fucking nose hairs yet give me like 10 more years please but anyway let's all take care of ourselves let's eat well it's cool to have the identity of the mountain dew of course i sit here with a can of mountain dew that sits at my desk that i haven't drank but i've i've just kept here because i like the artwork on it and um you know, every now and then you can treat yourself, have a little bit of Taco Bell, a little bit of Mountain Dew, but for the most part, I think if you just stick to brown liquor and steak, you should be mostly fine. What do you think? I don't know. Cronky writes in and says, serious question, not baiting because of recent news and moods, but it's a hypothetical, real one. Would you rather Xbox deliver max one game per year, but it's like top tier AAA Oscar quality, or like three games a year, but they're more like Redfall Psychonauts level where they're fun, but they're not going to light the world on fire? Personally, I go back and forth. There's so much third-party support these days. There's no real need for Sony or Microsoft to put up shovelware. Game Pass, yeah, I know. Hear me out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So I kind of want to see where Xbox got that crazy quality. Or I kind of want to see Xbox go for that crazy quality. But at the same time, I tend to prefer the stuff they currently make to that Oscar bait stuff. Well, I mean, obviously, the answer is always going to be a little of both, right? Because don't, don't you want the games that aren't really trying to break, you know, reinvent the wheel, but are trying to just be really cool, fun new games? And then sometimes you do want some that's like, oh, man, this is like an experience more than it's a game. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you feel. It's going to be something beautiful that you'll remember forever and ever and ever after you finish it. Sure, you want both of those things, but if you can only have one, I think fun games that are just an enjoyable, relaxing, good time are more important than a game that's like, wow, uh, I love at the end of it where you killed all those doctors and and, and took the, the cure for the zombie apocalypse and ran away with it. You know, I don't know. But I think there are games, I contend there are games that can kind of do a little bit of both. I think God of War, the new God of War games kind of do that. I think Remedy kind of does that with games like Alan Wake and quantum break and things like that i think um i think the coalition did that with gears 5 so i think you can have the best of both worlds but yeah if i can only choose one i i choose fun games over like groundbreaking uh narrative driven oscar bait style games for sure headhunting halo wrote in and says what a great episode are you planning on playing diablo and yeah i cannot wait to put 
time into Fable. Please just don't make it like three. We need the old style Fable back. Sadly, I don't think it's going to happen. But go through, hey, I'm ready to be called Chicken Chase all over again. Starfield is going to make me, uh, it's going to take over my life, though. Who else hates LeBron James? I want to know. Have a great week, Jesse. I, I, before I go, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Okay, favorite Ninja Turtle is the red one. I think that's Raphael. Uh, not a huge Ninja Turtles fan, but I like Raphael. Uh, let's go backwards. Uh, I don't know why you hate LeBron James. I don't hate LeBron James. He didn't, the man's never wronged me. I don't know. He never insulted my family or anything. If that's what you're saying. Uh, Fable confession time. I've never played Fable two and three and I barely played Fable one. So I'm really excited to just be introduced and immersed to the world of Fable with this new game. So I can't speak to that, but I do know fans tend to think Fable one's the best. Fable two is great. Uh, Fable 3 is a little bit of a step in the wrong direction, but still a fun game. And that's kind of the general reception to Fable, from what I understand. And uh, what did I think about playing Diablo? Uh, probably not going to play it till it's on sale or Game Pass one day. But I'm happy for people who are happy for it. Way of the Loud writes in. I might have to bridge this because I, I literally can't talk. I'm running out of voice right now. And says, Jesse, hello. Best wishes. Wanted to say I've enjoyed listening to the podcast Thursday, which is actually my Friday at work. It's refreshing to listen to sort of a show that sort of has a format that it follows but really doesn't. <laughs> um, I have what you call attention deficit disorder. I wanted to say thank you for putting on the time stamps on the videos. Great job, my dude. Thank you. Yes, I do know it's great to. I know it's a great show, even though you are the one of the biggest Xbox out there. Am I right, ponies? Not nah, all, JK, dude. Hey, sometimes. <laughs> Someone's out there listening to this, and they are console warrior douchebag. Take that crap and shove it somewhere else, please. Please, kindly. We say kindly here. I don't want one of those shows. Uh, I don't want one of the shows I listen to filled with 40-year-old virgins that like to be toxic to people who don't agree with it. What do you have against 40-year-old virgins, Mr. Wei Lao? Um, on the topic of Diablo, well, dude, this is one of the few games... That this old man has nostalgia for. Flashback to the year 2004. A young Lao just bought his first Windows XP machine. Hey. And just so happens that the local bookstore they were selling Diablo 2. After some de debate he decided to buy it. And the rest is history. Love the gameplay. Furthermore it cuts scenes blue. The cutscenes blew my mind. Because they were such high quality. A young man like myself. Well fast forward now. And I'm broke down in like a tool. And pre-ordered Diablo 4. Well I mean the cinematics are still just as good. So if that helps. Uh, but yeah, no, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for people again like that. Like I'm excited for people. I know Diablo is one of those franchises that has that like history love. I know Diablo two in particular is, is that game that people just have an undying love for. So it's exciting to see those people get their game. But yeah, I appreciate you writing in supporting the show as always, man. Way to allow you. You're one of those OGs. So I just want to let you know you matter more than other people. I don't pick favorites. But, like, if I had to pick who is going to live and who is going to die based on an arbitrary amount of likeness, based on how long you've listened to the show and how often you've commented in and supported the stream, I'm just going to say you might not die as fast as some of the other people if I have to pick and choose. I'm not saying I'm going to kill anyone. I'm not trying to say I know your social security number and have access to your home address or anything of that nature. I'm just trying to say, way of the Lao, that you would not be even close to one of the first person to die because you have just been that supportive and great all this time. So way of the Lao, I hope you enjoy your fruitful life. I hope you enjoy your Diablo 4. Have a wonderful day. And remember... Uh, every 40 year old virgin is a 20 for every 40 year old virgin there's a 20 year old whore man whore so 
Kronky writes in and says, Golub's a solid 5 or 6 out of 10, like a real 5 or 6. Not great, not bad. The character models look like ass, gameplay's mixed, feels like a good move around once you get past the PS2 level issues sometimes. And then I didn't take the whole screenshot, so I missed the rest of it. So Kronky's out here defending Gollum. Someone fight Kronky. Let's see, let's see. Does somebody have anything to say? Anybody else play the game and have some uh, shit to talk? Tim R. writes in and says, The paper case thing that holds cards that you mentioned last week is called a tuck box this was supposed to go in the corrections i'm sorry that you're down here in the comments something i learned recently so now i have to point it out and completely useless those things are uh, how sorry point out how completely clueless to those that don't know tim r thank you for writing in and letting me know this so we talked about the 52 card deck the little paper case that comes in is called a tuck box now i know i'm less ignorant but i'm more stupid somehow Thank you for writing in. Tim R., thank you. Mike Clark says, love to have either Infinity Ward or Machine Games take a crack at the next Halo. Bro, the next Halo needs to be done by Treyarch, not Infinity Ward, because because Treyarch makes zombies, and I want a fucking Halo zombies game with the Flood, and I want to fortify my base as Master Chief and fend off waves of oncoming Flood. But yes, I agree. It'd be cool to see someone take a crack at Halo other than 343. Jonathan writes in and says, great show, dude. Seeing and hearing about the character creator in Street Fighter got me to buy it. Love that game. Hopefully the game itself is great as well. Yeah, I hear it's, I hear it's great. I feel like everyone I know is fucking playing it. And uh, I don't I don't know anything about it. I'm not playing it. But apparently it's really good. So I, I hope you enjoy it. And you said, I also just love game shows. Enjoyed that Sony show. And I'm looking forward to the Xbox One. It's just a great it's just great. Fuck the haters and the fanboys. Hey, I agree. I, I honestly, I agree. All the, all the shows are fun. Some are more fun than others, but they're all fun to watch. The Sony show, even if you don't have a PS5, it's just really cool to see what's going on in the world of gaming. Ubisoft event, some of those other ones like the Capcom event, they're less exciting, but they're still interesting to see like what's going on. And then of course the Xbox one, that one's like fucking Christmas morning, you know, like the other ones, it's like, it's a day of Hanukkah. You get like a gift, you know, day one, day two, you get a gift. Xbox showcase, that's like motherfucking Christmas morning because you get you go under the tree and you got fucking G.I. Joe's, Transformers, your sister's clothes that your mom accidentally put your name on when it was supposed to be her gift, and now you're wondering how you're gonna sit into a fit into a size C bra, but whatever, I guess it's Christmas, anything is possible. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, and I just love these showcases, so I'm looking forward to it. Mike Clark writes in and says I hate leaving multiple posts, but I'm that balding 50-year-old guy who has his mother living with me. Now, as a, as, a, as a defense, I said balding guy who lives with his mom. I did not say balding guy whose mother lives with him. Very different things. Shout out to the bald people. Um, hair loss is no joke. It's a serious thing, and it fucking sucks, and I hate that anyone has to go through that. So, Mike Clark, you are cool. Uh, you are cooler than most other people. And my work told me I had to stop saying this, but this isn't my job. This is my podcast, so fuck it. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you have big penis. Kronky writes in and says, Shout out to the PC Gaming Showcase. Also on June 11th, it usually shows some awesome stuff. And most of the time, the shows are going to be on Xbox anyway. Most of the games they show are going to be on Xbox anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that valid, fair. I always disregard the pc game showcase but yes good to see you're looking out for it because god knows i'm not and then our last comment comes from none other than the the great i almost said the late great but not late just the great arctic chief uh speaking of people who have huge you know what's i'm not gonna say it because i can get in trouble 
Uh, Arctic Chief, welcome to the show. He says, okay, I've got some making up to do, so I'm going to go do it rapidly. I'm looking forward to actually seeing Fable. It's mostly my anticipate. It's my most anticipated game right now. I'm excited to see more Starfield. I love Skyrim, and I have hopes for Skyrim in space. They're working on it. I hope so too, man. Uh, I'm currently trying to play Tears of the Kingdom and getting back into Destiny 2 at the same time. Work's been busy. Life has been busy. Trying to get a house in order to sell while actively looking for another house. You know what I mean there. God damn, dude. I try, And I'm on easy mode, dude, because I'm buying a new build home. So it's like I got time. You know, there's time to work out the details. But sell a house and buy a house. God fucking bless you, Arctic Chief. I hope, uh, God, I hope you make a billion dollars off that first house and then just build yourself a mansion in the middle of the woods because... Ah, it's a it's a nightmare. Sorry. <laughs> and Tears of the Kingdom is no uh, light game, light gaming to be doing on the side while you're doing all that too. Finally, cotton candy ice cream is the only flavor you should be eating. I only eat ice cream when Dairy Queen brings back their summer flavors, and cotton candy is one of them. I'm looking forward to the Xbox Summer Showcase and stream on Sunday. I'll be there in the chat, but I'll be working 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. But I'll be there. Holy shit! 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. on a Sunday. God, goddamn, Arctic Chief. Thank you. I appreciate the support as always. Again, I'm just saying I'm not I'm not here to I'm not saying nobody should live or die. I think everyone should live in fact. I think we should all have prosperous, beautiful, long lives. But if I had to pick who I think is a more important human being and who is more deserving of life than others, there are certain people I'm predisposed to like more than others. Arctic Chief, you've been around for quite a while. You've even made it into some of my YouTube videos. So I'm just going to say you probably make the top of the list. Maybe you buy a big house and you get a good price on it. Maybe you even get, God forbid, a decent interest rate in, in this economy. That'd be quite nice. I, I, I wish wealth for you. I wish wealth and happiness and lots of prosperity. Your children, I hope they all grow up to have very big retirement accounts. And also, look at that. It's very PC to say that. And then, um, did I mention cotton candy ice cream last week? That's that's kind of what I'm I'm like stuck on right now. That's where my brain's really going. Did I bring that up? Because I, I don't know if I brought that up and this is a response to that or if you're just being extraordinarily random. But amen, brother, dude. Cotton candy, cotton candy is the fucking... I don't care how embarrassing it is to be my age. You'd be like, yes, I like cotton candy ice cream. I'm not seven years old, I know. Uh, cotton candy ice cream is amazing, and if you don't agree, you can uh, you can vote for a dead president like George George Washington. He's dead, so haha, your vote doesn't count. He's dead, and now you're wasting your vote. So cotton candy ice cream, very delicious, very fun. Brewster's ice cream, shout out to Brewster's ice cream. They're not here in Florida, so I haven't been able to eat there in so many years. But Brewster's ice cream has a flavor called cotton candy explosion, and they put pop rocks like candy coated pop rocks in the middle of the ice cream. So it's like you get the poppy crunchiness and the cotton candy creaminess. And ah, it's so good. I love that ice cream so, so, so much. Um, we have Twisty Treat down here. It's also very excellent ice cream. So Twisty Treat, they got a really good cotton candy ice cream as well. And, uh, oh, man, I, I haven't had Dairy Queen in so long. I don't even know where there's a Dairy Queen around here. But I, I would love to have Dairy Queen's cotton candy ice cream as well. Arctic Chief, we're talking about being healthy just a couple comments ago. I'm I'm boring Mavs man to sleep with my comments about the, the blessing of modern medicine and all this bullshit. And you're over here talking about fucking cotton candy ice cream. We can't have it both ways, Arctic Chief, okay? We can't be eating cotton candy ice cream if we're trying to get muscular so that maybe uh, we can distract from um, our skin wrinkling as we get older uh, by having thick fat muscles similar but not exactly like Dwayne the Rock Johnson so stop it Arctic Chief we gotta stay in shape 
I think instead of ice cream, we should just have water, water for everybody. You can take those Mio things and squeeze them in there. It changes the flavor without adding any of the calories. It's a great alternative to ice cream. What do you say? And that is going to do it for our final comment. You guys, we're done. We're done. We're done. If you can't handle me rambling, rambling, rambling about everyone else's comments, there are timestamps. Just fucking click to where you want to go on the show. But if not, you're a psychopath because you just listened to all that and you are, uh, you probably just took four years off your life doing that. So that's going to do it for our podcast this week. You guys, we're just a mere few days away from the Xbox showcase. I'm hyped. I'm sure you're hyped. I can't wait to talk about it with you. So if you want to be there with me on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, the only time zone worth a damn, twitch.tv slash lightning extreme. Hang out with me. We'll chat it up. We'll watch the showcase together. And then I'll do a podcast and we'll release it a little earlier than usual. And then we'll uh, talk about all the things that happen in the showcase, which I just cannot wait to get into. So you guys take care, be well. And until next week, power your dreams.